Hey, it's Ricky Carmichael, and you're watching the Moto X-Pod Show. What's up, you guys? Jeremy McGrath here. You are listening to Moto X-Pod Show. What's up, guys? We're back. It's Dark Side here. It's time for another vital MX Moto X Pod show presented by Racetech and Boyson. We have a great lineup tonight with Muckoff, FXR, Club MX, Yamaha's Enzo Lopes, Progressive Insurance, Twisted T, Hep Motorsports, Kyle Chisholm, and Phil and Ryder for Monster Energy, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, Carson Mumford. Plenty to talk about tonight, but first, I need to introduce my co-hosts in studio, working the cameras, Scotty Thompson. What's going on, Scott? Oh, what's going on, man? Just hanging out. Glad to be here with you guys today. Yeah, ready to do another, a good show. A little old school today. TJ Smith, you're in studio oh, uh, again. It's going to be a great show. Why? Because you're here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll let it be... Remains to be seen. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just going to be us three tonight. Lewis is working on another pod, and ML's got some things going on. So it's just us tonight. We're going to get into the Boyson intake discussion. But I want to tell you guys about the Boyson spotlighting their Boyson Factory Racing Rider Support Program, a comprehensive support system for motocross and off-road riders. The program offers participants exclusive access to Boyson's products, yearly discounts, and the potential to become one of their new product development test riders. Sounds like a lot of fun. Join the community of Boyson Factory Flyers by visiting boyson.com and applying today. Let's get into, right off the bat, Glendale. One of the most boring races <laughs> I've seen in a while. I did rewatch it on TV, and it was, a I don't know, maybe it felt a little more exciting. I, but it I, it was just a weird day. I didn't care for the track. Not a, not a great race, Scotty, in my opinion. Yeah, I thought that the track design itself compared to la last year was like probably one of the, I've been waiting for to see a track with rhythm lanes like the one last year did. It had I think it had like a a triple 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 out. It was it was cool to watching that. So this year I did think the track was maybe a little bit lackluster compared just compared to itself last year. Um uh, but you know, I don't think the racing looked too bad on TV. I mean, it was just a different track than we've had the last 7 rounds or so, give or take. And I just think it's just one of those deals where it was just the, the the track provided that kind of race, and it was just they were all close, but it, like you said, it wasn't like it a lot of make up any time. Yeah, it was pretty dry and slick. TJ, uh, generally Glendale is one of the better tracks. It's usually one of the better races. Lewis kind of made the point in the post race show that maybe it's because it's usually earlier in the season and we're more excited for the beginning of the season. Maybe that's it, but I don't really think. That might have something. I, to do I heard with another it. theory, that kind of like that, where the usually since it's in the earlier season, that the dirt is usually more moist at that point in time. Moist, moist to be. Yeah, so it's more dried out at this point in the year. Maybe that had a lot to do with it. What did you think about the racing, TJ? Just the track. I, I think I just came into it like what y'all are saying, with it being like it's going to be exciting, it's going to be really good, and then it's like you said, like well, what Lewis brought up. It's earlier in the year, so normally things are still getting worked out. Plus, it's a triple crown. I mean, this is like the first triple crown that ended up like a snoozer. So, I, I'm not upset about it. I mean, hey, I don't think they can all be winners. 
So. No, that's true. You have to expect there's going to be some that aren't great. And I, I felt like as soon as I walked in for press day, I didn't like the look of the right-hander going into the finish line. Yeah. The, the, the over, the, the, and then the overbridge because yeah. it was just so single file the way it kind of hooked mm-hmm. and left. There, there wasn't really going to be any options. Right, because it yeah. was either you go in and hook hard yeah. or they just went straight through. Basically, yeah. It, just, it was very single file. And then when I saw the split lane, I was like, look, okay, the two split lanes are a little narrow to be a single lane. But I felt like they could have just widened it a little bit, and we would have and gone down one direction, one eighty, and gone back the other way, and then you'd have a whole other lane of section. And I didn't, I didn't love yeah. the split lane. I thought, well, just give us another lane going the other direction. What I think would be cool, and then they'll never do this, but make a split lane like that, but don't put hay bales in the middle or like oh, tough yeah. blocks. Oh, good <laughs> lord! So, so, but don't think about it because then guys can can transfer from one to the other. They did something. that on press day, and I, I know. Oh, did Max they? Maximus did? Yeah, I wasn't. I had actually walked out to get. I had a uh, memory card failure, and I was dealing with it. But I heard that Maximus was jumping from one section to the other, and I think somebody else too. Yeah. See, uh, so if take the hay bales out, let them, let them. Yeah, let's it promote out. cross yeah, let's, jumping. Let's cross jump. <laughs> yeah. Cross two lanes. <laughs> but it would just be. It could change. I mean, if we're going to do split lanes, then. I, mean, I don't know. To, to comment on your point, though, I I do believe do feel like there was maybe some wasted real estate. Yeah. They didn't add. They didn't utilize that big thing that they used for the sand section last year, mm-hmm. where it kind of went underneath the stands. I felt like the over under you mentioned um, kind of did take up a lot of real estate that could have been used maybe in other ways. Yeah, and the the rhythm lane that if, I guess it was if you're going down the rhythm, you're going towards the tunnel. So the finish line would be in front of you, but then you make the one eighty go back like that. Could have I felt like it could have been extended another mm-hmm. twenty feet. There was a bunch of open area. I'm sure there's reasons for all this, right? They probably didn't have enough yeah. dirt. There's there's things like that, but yeah, just as soon as I walked in on Presta, I was like, ah, man, I just wasn't feeling the track at all, and then it got really dry. The whoops were very slick and a struggle, and just nowhere nobody was making up any time. There wasn't a section where one guy was like, "Oh wow, he's doing that so better, so much better." It just wasn't happening. Yeah. On, on the on the split lanes thing, I I thought that the split lanes themselves weren't that that much of a difference maker. Like they they were pretty even. They always say like, "Oh, one line well, always good. one line always gets faster." What made that outside the line that majority of people took by the end of the race, what made that faster was the momentum they carried out of the next corner. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the lane itself. So maybe they're on to something. Let's let now let's just make the corner to where they because they went a hundred miles an hour down the back down the street. So the more momentum they can carry around that corner really changes it. Make it a section right after that that has more of an advantage to maybe take that inside line. Yeah. Then that that split lane worked. But no, I was just, I just, like I said, the split lane, just take the hay bells out or the cup blocks out <laughs> yeah, in the middle. I don't think that's a good idea. Now, let me, let me quintuple it um, over one lane and land awesome. on somebody's head. That'd be awesome. The, I, the idea of a split lane seems cool, but with all the technology now, Lit Pro, et cetera, they're going to find the fast line. So it's almost, it's almost impossible for them to make it identical. So it's just not going to work because they're going right. to find the fast line and then and then eventually they're not well, going to That's what I'm it. saying is it yeah. was identical. It was just it the was section. Close they got lucky, but that doesn't normally happen. Yeah. So unless you know you're going to get it dead on every time, it's it's not the best choice. Because they were when they were coming out of that corner before the the split lane, they were barely making that in, what was the inside lane that turned into the outside lane. Mm-hmm. Like they were really close to that tough block to triple on or triple or whatever they were doing. Do, do you think Dirtworks or anybody, like, do they set these split lanes up like an off, like, 
like, you know what I mean, outside somewhere at somebody's property and then run bikes through it. I don't think so, TJ. But I just, you know. I, I love the idea, but I can't okay. imagine them yeah, building another track during the week. Well, it's like, no. all right, yeah, let's break down no, this track. Like, okay, <laughs> and even if they did, would they build it identical? Well, no, during off season, they're like, okay, okay. hey, guys, we're going to build some. And then what would it take to make these equal and have like three or four Whatever riders if you have to build be the, tracks. When you go rebuild that in Glendale, it's, it's not, not going to be, be exactly the same. The same. Oh, no, I'm just saying. Of course, it's not going to be because the the change of a of a lip face should be. But they yeah. can run a couple and be like, well, we know if we do like a double, triple, double, and then this one like a triple, you know, set of whoops and another triple, that it's pretty even. I mean, like I, get, I hear what you're saying. In the off season, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, I don't think they do that. No. Well, they should. <laughs> you think me, they should? They should put me in charge. Yeah, maybe so. All right. All right, uh, with some of these, with where we're at in the season, Scotty, do you feel like we're getting to a point where some of these guys are just settled in, not the front runners, but a few of those guys are just settled in and comfortable with their, where they are and just trying to get through the rest of the season, like like an Adam Cianciarillo or a Dean Wilson, that they're just kind of like, hey, I'm 10th, I'm 8th, I'm okay with that. I can I can see after a race like we just had where that might be kind of a little bit valid, but I haven't felt that way until – we got this race that was different conditions than we've experienced. So I personally think that, like, no, I think a lot of those guys still have something to prove. AC has to prove that he can still be a top factory rider and is worth that spot. Um, I think Plessinger is still deep down is going to do everything he can to get that win this yeah. year. Barsha's riding the best he's rode in, like, six years. Um, so I, I kind of... Can see where you're coming from after this weekend. I didn't say I believe that. I was just. Curious I, d- I don't. I personally yeah. don't agree with that. No. Yeah, I think he's right, TJ, because there are guys like Barsha and AP and Ken. Those guys all want to still win. And Jason would. I'm sure Jason Anderson would love to get a win. I, I'm starting to think that's not going to happen. I think Barsha is the most likely. I'm about to say. I think Barsha is out of that picture. I think the other guys want to win. And they're pushing and they're doing. Barsha's the best. out of what picture? Out of like is higher up. Oh, than okay. Yeah. Barsha is is a potential winner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, you just Anderson is a guy who, if if Anderson won, the crowd's not going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe he won. If Barsha wins, the crowd's not going to be like, I can't believe he won. But if you say AC, oh, AP, yeah. those guys, if if they win, then it is. So I'm saying it's a different. I think AP. And AC are like, they want to win, and they're trying to win, and they would love to win, but if they don't, they're not going to be like, my season was a waste. But do you think AC is still trying to progress in Supercross this season or just maintaining where he's at and like, all right, let's look at this outdoors and continue to get healthy and back into – because he, he wasn't 100% coming but in. There was, there's was there been a progression the whole season. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like he's he, – at, at the beginning of the season, he was nowhere close to running up the front of the pack. I mean, I, I, don't, right. I don't mean to be a dick. So, so you think he is still think, trying to get better every week? Yes. I think he has no choice to, but to continue to progress at this point. I, I, yeah, he's just yeah. He, I, I, now will he ever get back to? Well, I say will he never? I don't know. Look what Barsha's doing. The guy was probably counted out three years ago mm-hmm. as yeah. as getting better, and then he's at the. I don't. Even, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <even> <laughs> Sir, uh, one of our presenting sponsors, Race Tech. I want to tell you guys about that. Your son races. Yep. You race. We we know hey, that race. Well, Scotty, oh yeah, you do race, but we 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 know that suspension's key. A lot of people do not service their suspension very often. I know for years, I probably just like I probably rode my 06 Honda for ten years, but never serviced it for the most part. Right stuff I just didn't really think about. Something that needs to be thought about. You need to service. You need to change your oil. 
need to adjust your maybe your spring rates for your size. And Race Tech has an incredible program with their race service centers all over the country. This week's race center that we're spotlighting is Applied Technology up in Colorado. Owner Tyler Sutherland worked in-house at Racetech on the R&D team and still is a full-time employee of Racetech for technical support in addition to operating his Racetech center in Colorado. So hit up Racetech.com and look for your local service center and go get some work done. Make, let them know you're listening to the Moto X Pod show. There are Racetech service centers all over the country. Those guys, I, I have my guy up in Minneapolis, Minnesota that helps me out. Great, great techs. The best in the business. Racetech.com. All right, so I got a topic I want to talk about. Triple Crown. I have loved all the Triple Crowns this year. Every week, it's Monday after the race, I'm like, oh, I love the Triple Crown. It's the best. The, the races are just exciting. This one, not so much so. But what I, I want to know, TJ, is since its inception in 18, do you feel like the Triple Crown format has had any real effect on the result of the championship? On the championship itself, I would say... I'd say no. I mean, the 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 results have been uh, honestly. It's maybe helped somebody who would who could have gotten worse. So, like, you, you get what I'm saying. Like somebody who had a bad mo, uh, one bad race of the three. Mm-hmm. If that would have been the only race, then they would have been farther back in the points. But for the overall, I don't think it's made a difference. Okay, so that's a good point. I, I know you're about to say something, Sky, but okay. If you think about if if Glendale was a normal race, Cooper Webb's points gap is a lot less. Yep. Because he had he had a good finish in the first one. Yep. So the triple crown hurt him a little bit. Yeah. Go ahead, Scotty. Well, what I was going to say is that the three guys that are top three in points have all won one. So it kind of this this year this year yeah, yeah. have kind of it kind of nullifies that. I I don't I don't know. You know, Cooper got past like you said he had a good race one, but then he got past in another round. So like. You never, you know, he had three starts, obviously. So, but you never know which one of those three starts what he was going to get in the main. So it could have, you know, it, he could have. I think he still could have gotten the same place that he did in the race. I think the dry track was not his forte, mm-hmm. and I think that he, he you know, he, it's a coin flip on whether he got did better or worse than what he would have in a regular race. I would say the triple crowns for me have opened my eyes up to the fact that. Changes can be made and they can be positive. Okay, for, for format, etc. Something, yeah. Yeah, whatever. And I, do you think what is the vibes you get? Do you think the fans as a whole enjoy it? I think the hardcore moto fans like it because you get to see more racing. Do you really though? I, I mean, you don't get the LCQ. You know, so I mean, it, normal race you still get the LCQ. Yeah, but the hardcore moto fans are going to be the- watching the stuff during during yeah. the the day okay. the day program stuff, and then the other fans, the casual, I don't think there's such thing as a casual fan, but let's just call it. There the, are, because I had some friends come out that are, are in Arizona. They don't follow the series, but they come to the race every year because it's an event. And when I said something about it being a triple crown, they're like, oh, oh okay. Like, but, no, they, but that's they, what I was going to say. So, they, they just get to see more racing. Yeah. So, uh, more of the stars. More of the stars and more of the racing. Yeah. And I, I think for that quote-unquote casual fan, Scotty, that's probably good, right? Because those people, sorry, they don't care as much about Scotty Wintershom, Cade Clayson, et cetera. They just, they care about Ken Roxon and yeah. Chase Sexton and Eli Tomac. Yeah. Uh, I, so we had a triple crown in Dallas. I got two points on this. So one of the points is that 
I think that it needs to be changed around where they do them because it seems like last last year Arizona and Dallas were both one. It's because and of where those races are in the season. They try to. Set, I know. I agree. I agree. I, I think it needs to be. Glendale get a lot. I think. It, I think it needs to be different. But to kind of go off what your casual fan is, so for this year, I took a, uh, one of my buddies who had never mm-hmm. been to anything like this before, and he in, enjoyed it thoroughly either way. But it, I will say it was a little more confusing to try to explain to him that this was a kind of a off one off kind different. of thing i had to you know yeah. i just he got it but i i made sure to, that he understood that this is this normal. is this isn't normal this is yeah. a different thing than what you would normally experience so yeah i have the list here so it, it's inception in 18 they did one at a2 minneapolis and atlanta the following year a2 houston detroit then in 20 glendale and arlington that was co- when covid started mm-hmm. so we went to salt lake city and we didn't have a third one 21 we didn't have any 22, Glendale again, well, Arlington again. 21 was basically all triple crowns because they were 21, like... Because it, uh, co- well, it was like the... the well, there was the, three races. At what each, did they call they them, the residencies? Yeah, but that wasn't three. I know, but... Okay. And then St. Louis. So that, And then, yeah, this year we know where they were at. So, obviously we know Eli's had the most. Do you, uh, you guys know who, like how many he's won? It's like eight. So, if you take individual... I'm, call, I'm talking individual motos races for all oh, the triple no crowns. I have no clue. He's won oh. 13 of them. Out of how many? Well, I should have done that math. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Uh, three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen total times three. So thirty, forty, something. Four? So he's won thirteen. 42. The next closest is Jason Anderson with seven. Cooper Webb with six. Uh, Roxon and Chase uh, Sexton both have five. Marvin Muscan has four, and then Cole Seely and Justin Brayton each have one race win. And then Roxon, I forgot, had swept one mm-hmm. in Glendale in 20. So, yeah. Just, yeah, Eli is obviously the most consistent at them. I don't want to call him the king of triple crowns. That's kind of stupid. But, like, when you look back, though, at the, like, the triple crown champion, the first year Eli won the championship, mm-hmm. the triple crown championship, but Jason Anderson won mm-hmm. the overall championship. And then Webb won the triple, tra- triple crown championship the next year and the championship. So, like, it, it, it varies. I don't think it has a whole lot of effect on what we see, Scotty, for the whole season. I think they're I think they're yeah. cool to change things up. I like them generally, but as far as it really having an effect on points, et cetera, yeah. mm-hmm. not huge. Yeah, I I can't say that until this point right now that I've ever really thought about who won each triple crown. Do they do they still do the thing where like if you win all three you get like um, well, I know back in the day it was that, like a couple hundred thousand dollars. No, that was just for the Monster Cup. Yeah, was, so, I don't think that ever happened. No, no, the 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 Vans Triple Crowns back in the way back oh, in the day. Di- yeah, oh, no, no, yeah. no. But the Triple Crowns. Yeah, it's different though. It's not the same as this Triple Crown. This is a whole new and thing. And those so, Triple no. Crowns were just three races in the series that yeah. carried points. Right. So, so, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Do, do we put a purse on them to make them more interesting? I, I, I think it was loose. Somebody was joking about this. Does like Chase go back and go? All right, where's my championship bonus? I know, you know? yeah, like, yeah, right. Yeah. Or do you guys? Do, do you think there's it a bonus for really that? Mean anything? Nobody even knew it was a thing. So you don't think Honda has a bonus for no, that? No, absolutely not. Do you think they should? Mm, I think they should get something for having to race more main events in a night. Like a triple crown race itself maybe, should be worth yeah, more. Maybe there should be some adjustment to, maybe some adjustment to the contracts for that's. Here's another question. I want to shift gears because. There's three triple crowns, which means one of the 250 coasts is going to get two. I know. It's and that's weird. another one of my Shouldn't, points. How do you guys feel about a triple crown as a showdown? That's what I, That's one of my points that I made in my yeah. notes, that I, I think... Treated. 
I do. You want to? <laughs> I don't need to see it. Just, hey, I'm hey. just teasing. <laughs> um, I think that they that if you're going to have, especially now that we have two showdowns, mm-hmm. if you're going to do two showdowns, one of them's got to be a yeah, triple the crown. Final should be a showdown. And, and then, then the whatever other showdown, the third triple, triple crown, mm-hmm. one east, one west, then a showdown. I think I think that I know that messes up the whole who can be the triple crown champion. But it doesn't even matter for two because yeah, one of yeah, because no, one gets one and right. Yeah, there's no so triple crown champion for that. I think that's definitely a point that should be looked at. Yeah, I don't think. So. I mean, I don't know the whole the whole point of is. It, it, the two coast, it's not right to have one to have more. Yeah, and I don't. Th- I, I'm having a triple crown for a east west shootout. I think the teams would lose their mind just because of they already don't like having to race with the other coast, which could affect their points. Sure. Yeah, I don't think even that. more bikes for the factory teams if, yeah. it, if each rider's exactly. going to have two. Yeah, yeah. But it just, I feel like it needs to be fair because it. I don't know why. I don't no, know. No, I think there should be four in a year. Oh, I, I four have, in a year. I have no problem with four in a year. That would not be a triple crown. I th- I, <laughs> no. Well, the triple is the three races, right? I yeah. mean, it's not, but I know what you're saying. But no, I'm just saying those triple crown races. The riders, the, the teams wouldn't like that either. I don't, I'm just saying, like, if they're going to do it. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I have, have no four problem. of them in a year. Yeah. Quad crown? <laughs> I, I thought it was triple crown because there's three races. I think yeah, it's, yeah, we, I, I, think I guess three. I misunderstood what you're saying. Well, there's three races in a night. Oh. I don't know. I no, don't know where the triple comes four, from. I'm saying four, four through the season. So there's two yeah. on the east, two on the west. Uh, I believe the triple crown name is based off the three races in one night because they have talked about possibly doing more. They could do less. Uh, no. So yeah, yeah. I, that makes my brain hurt. I don't like that. Yeah, it's, a lot, it's a lot of math. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of math. Um, okay. Well, it's interesting. I, I I would have liked to have seen some stats when I was looking through it. That it was oh, this really yeah. did have an effect. I, and I, is it? Isn't that what you want? Yeah, and I think it did. It did have an effect in Glendale, I think, because Cooper has a bigger points gap but, than he probably would have I normally. Mean, in general, what I'm saying is, don't you want some exciting changes that don't make a dramatic? Look what's going on in GP. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about GP MXGP. later. Um, Not yeah, Moto GP. Yeah, MXGP. Yep. But everybody's freaking out because of this ten point thing or whatever, uh-huh. and that's and, and it's actually affecting the championship in people's minds. Sure. I, mean, I mean, yes, it really it technically is, is but. And we'll get into that later. Well, isn't that what you want when you make a change like this? Is something that adds excitement without negatively affecting the series? I guess. Let, let, let me ask y'all this: what What do you think is easier to win, a regular main event or a triple crown? Like the overall in the triple crown? Yeah, a regular main event. You think it's easier to win a regular you main? You win one I, race yeah, versus you have to, having to you rest. Have to, yeah, you have to be. Very good, three times in a night. Very, really, three very good but, starts. But you, you know, you could you could be not the fastest guy in a triple crown and go two, two, three, and essentially win. Whereas you've in a main, normal. you've got to yeah. be the fastest guy. It's not. Look normal. at the podiums. The podiums yeah. are almost always the top guys. All anyways. Yeah. You yeah. put you put barrels out in the middle of a flat football field, and the top racers are going to win. You get what I'm saying? Genius. It, that was. Profound. Profound. <laughs> Blew my mind, TJ. You know, bring in my A game. All right. How about Eli 51 wins? It's pretty cool. It blows my mind, right? Yeah. Like, like when, wasn't it a couple years ago when we were like, I can't believe Eli hasn't got a championship. With Eli, yeah. yeah. He's never going to get a chance. Yeah. Is he going to be like the, and now we're like, Eli's the king of Supercross almost. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, like the modern, like it doesn't make sense to me. 
That's it. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago that we were having the same conversation, similar conversations that we're having about Chase, about Eli. Seventeen and eighteen, I think. That, yeah, because in eighteen, it's the same when Jason thing. won. You know, he crashed out at a one, mm-hmm. and he, I, don't, I don't think he raced at the second round. So yeah, and then the year before, I think seventeen was the year where like his he was he was the fastest guy or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. And he just like and he crashed at one race, and he just we're like, why is he taking so long? That was pretty sure that was seventeen. Didn't, might have been 18. His, didn't his first championship come the year that Webb hurt his back in yeah, Dallas 20 uh night uh yeah 20 so I'm just saying so when he got that one we were like oh finally he got one yeah and then now we're like look how that amazing he is yeah City. now he's the second most supercross yeah. winner yeah. of all time yeah it's kind of it's kind of an interesting way to look at it yeah but yeah. congrats to him for 51 wins that's yeah. that's, that's very awesome. impressive and he's not done I'm sure we're gonna see some more well, so do you think you think 72 will ever be reached? No. No, absolutely not. No. no There's just no way, physical, physically way that it could ever, ever meet. Yes, it's physically possible, but somebody would have to be, like, cleaning house, winning almost every race like Jeremy did, for, you know, in multiple years. Mm-hmm. And it's just very, very, very unlikely. Yeah, and, I know. It's and crazy. no chance that, like, Carmichael's record is going to go either. Right. Uh, two undefeated seasons, that record, or no, just the, the overall fifty wins? And yeah, like I, I forget sometimes. I know it's kind of off subject, but I, I forget sometimes that Car- Carmichael never lost an outdoor championship that he competed in. Yeah, yeah. he never lost one. He was ten for ten or something like that. I think that they it's something about the the goat. Oh yeah, 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 the goat. <laughs> but hey, there's an argument there because the, he can't be the greatest of all time if he doesn't if if. You can't have a king and a goat. Well, he's the greatest of all time at motocross, and McGrath is the king of super. No, he's the greatest at all time of overall dirt bike racer. Okay, I mean, I'm not going to argue. Anyways. He's yeah, he's. Yeah. I I think he deserves the title. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, X Brand has quietly grown into one of the premier goggle choices available, using some of the most grueling conditions by the 2022 GNCC XC2 champion Lyndon Snodgrass, the 2022 GNCC ATV Pro champion Bryson Neal. Factory Huskies, Craig DeLong, Babbitt Kawasaki's Josh Strang, and Grant Baylor, many more. On the Supercross side, Chris Blows and AJE Motorsports team, Freddie Norn, John Short, Ryan Breeze, Bubba Polly, all trust X-Brand. Go to your local dealership and ask for X-Brand, distributed through WPS. The new Lucid Goggle is an amazing uh, wide vision goggle with the quick release system to pop out the lens, and honestly, it's at a much better price point some of, than some of its competition. Please go check them out. Try them on. I promise you'll love them. Yeah, I was just sitting there thinking that that new goggle was so good that I spent my money on it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, before we get to Enzo, uh, we got Enzo in just a couple minutes. So I, I want to touch on Justin Barsh a little bit more. So he's 11th at A1. Not great. Not what we would expect generally out of him. Uh, I think he's had four podiums this year. He's one of the more improved riders throughout the season. Scotty, I think he's at Mm -hmm. the top of his game right now. I feel like he's really, really close to a win. Obviously, we just talked about that. What do you think Justin needs to do, though? What's the next step to be a consistent guy where, like, we expect him to Mm -hmm. be on the podium every week like Eli, Cooper, and Chase? What is the next step for him? See, that's that's a hard question to answer because I I feel... Like when I well when we decided that we were this is going to be one of the things that we talked about I you know I started thinking about it and I was kind of under the thought that if you go back to all the years that he's raced professionally I know some years he struggled more and some years he wasn't you know he was off the pace 
it amazes me how he hasn't done more because I think you can take a point in time during each year that whether it was a, a qualifying race or he pulled a whole shot or at any given point in any year of his career, at one point he was maybe the fastest guy or it wasn't surprise you that he won the race. Something, something yeah, along those sure, lines. Certainly, certainly. So it kind of like, I don't think, I just think it's one of those where maybe this, all the stars that needed to, he needed to have aligned at once. I don't think there's necessarily anything he needs to fix per se. I just, it's just an anomaly to me, honestly, that he hasn't. Because I mean, you can't say that he's not been successful because he's obviously a proven guy. He's got, he's, in, he's not still here because he was terrible. No, he's, so yeah, it's just, it's. Just, I think it's talent. just more of an anomaly that he hasn't done more because he's been one of the guys for a decade now. TJ. Like some of its consistency, how many, three years in a row where he, he won a one and then he would have bad races. How much of that do you think though, is the writing style where he gets aggressive with people? Sometimes he goes down sometimes, you know, how much of it is that a a part of it? Also start sometimes he gets, maybe he doesn't get a good start and he doesn't come through the field, but like what, what do you see as the issue? What could he fix to be that guy? Or can he even be an Eli Tomac, Chase Sexton, Adderall? Okay. I mean, have you watched his? Have you watched Bam TV? <laughs> Unfortunately, I've not. Uh, but you, the dude is the dude is out there. Yeah. Like, and I, it's one of my favorite writers. So I'm I've not seen saying this. some of him. He's just being goofy, though, right? It's not like he's nonstop he's, go 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 yeah. go. Like, like I, I think it's his. I think it's just like consistency, and the only way he's going to get that is to probably slow his brain down and get what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, concentration. How do you feel about that? Ah, yeah, I don't know. He's he's just a he's a bottle rocket. You never really know where <laughs> okay. it's going to go. Yeah, all right. But I wouldn't say that he has like a lack of focus. Like when he's racing, it doesn't appear. I mean, he's he's fast, but I don't think it's like out of control all the time. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got our first guest in the night on. He's going to be brought to you by FXR, which is designed by racers for racers with industry leading fit, finish, and performance. Progression is the name of the game with every new piece created. At FXR, we push our brand to the next level to provide you with the best product possible. Visit fxrracing.com to see the numerous gear lines and colorways, as well as the snow lines and lifestyle casual wear. Tonight, FXR brings us from the Muckoff FXR Club MX Yamaha team, my boy Enzo Lopes. What's up, Enzo? What's up? Good to hear from you, man. You, What do you think about FXR? How do you like that gear? Dude, I I mean, I love it. You know, like just the other day on Tuesday, I was riding the Des Nations gear they made for me for <laughs> Brazil, and it was... To have a one-off gear was awesome, but uh, I mean, every round like it's just the gears are just you know badass. Yeah, so and, many uh, cool yeah. colorways. You were popping this weekend with uh, the pink and the, the bright colors. You were, you're easy to spot. Oh yeah, easy to spot, and uh, yeah, <laughs> we have some good we have some good stuff for uh, the New Jersey race and also Denver. So stay tuned. Oh, looking forward to that. Um, all right, well, let's get into you a little bit, man. Look, I feel like this has been one of the best seasons of your career. Uh, your fifth in points. I think you've had three top fives. Um, how do you feel about this season? Because I feel like you still have more potential, but still this has been one of your best seasons. Yeah, I'm a- I think I'm actually fourth. I'm like one point from third right now. Okay, yeah. I knew it was real close. I think you're one point behind McAdoo. Well, yeah, maybe you're what, tied with what, McAdoo. I'm not sure, but what kind of cost me was the tr- the first triple crown, which I got like 13th because I just kept crashing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been it's been unreal to be honest. Like uh, 
uh, after I got my uh, surgery done on my arm that was like really bothering me last season, I uh, even like on the pre- uh, off season riding, like the boot camp with the boys, it just felt something felt different, you know. And once you can ride to your full potential, it's like confident. You just start gaining confidence, you know. And then, yeah, I show up to A1 and then lead the heat race. And then I got a terrible start in the main and I still came back to like sixth place. But like I was, I had the podium speed, you know, that night. And then, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been unreal, like to show my uh, speed in, qual- in like every qualifying like uh, practice. You know, it's not like I was lucky because I'm always up there with the boys and uh yeah i mean i still want more because i know <laughs> i have what it takes but like right now even like at this triple crown i was just lacking my starts you know because i was matching the pace but i just started like way right back yeah that's something that you you kind of mentioned you've you've either crashed or you maybe get a bad start and you work through traffic working through traffic and still getting up to the top four or five does that i know it's frustrating but does it also build confidence knowing that you're capable yeah, like uh, like Seattle, I started like seventeenth uh, and I got up to fourth. But I mean, I could I could see Macado and RJ, and they weren't pulling like uh, they weren't like faster than me, so that gave me a lot of confidence, you know. But it's I mean I don't know what happened with my starts because if you go back like A one, like even San Diego, like I was my starts were like dial, <laughs> but then I was lacking a little bit of fitness. Uh, because I had never been in that position before, like, and I was trying so damn hard that I would get tired with like seven minutes. And like now I got used to it, but like my starts are missing, you know. So I have to come from way back. So I'm just <laughs> trying to, I'm just trying to put the stars together. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I have what it takes. I agree. Yeah, and so I think you know, besides Jet and RJ and uh, McAdoo until this last race, you've been in that sole spot of the next guy by yourself. And, you know, you talked about your confidence getting better and stuff. Did you gain more confidence this season than perhaps you expected to? And how close do you personally feel to the, you know, the RJ and Jet? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I gained a lot of confidence this season, just like uh, race by race, but... I mean, other than, like I said, the first Triple Crown in A2, that one was not good for me. The other, All the other races I had, uh, I, I could get some confidence from them, especially Seattle, where, where I came from almost last to fourth. And, uh, I mean, if you rewatch this weekend's last main, like I was matching RJ's and uh, Kitchen's lap times, like lap for lap. And, uh, I mean, I, I, so like, I know I have the speed. I mean, jet was a little bit faster, but I mean, I'm like you said, I'm the next guy, but I don't want to be just the next guy. <laughs> no, I want to be, I want to be with them. Cause I know I have what it takes. Otherwise I wouldn't be up there in practice, you know, but yeah, I just, uh, I just need to put every piece of the puzzle together. Yeah. Talking about the, um, starts this weekend, do you, would, do you go into a triple crown with your, like worrying about that? Because Obviously, you you struggle with that. Do you are you trying to just put that behind you as you come into a weekend where starts are extremely important because there's more of them because there's more yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I was just trying to reset on my mind, like, oh, it's gonna work, you know, because <laughs> you can't you can't think on the on the bad side of things, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to really put into words, but like I was I, I was trying to like reset on my mind and like, oh, let's do this, and then. 
Yeah, I mean, first main, I got a bit of bad luck because of the red flag because I was fifth, I think. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, Styles crashed. And with that, with the restart, I crashed, I crashed on the start. So, but yeah, I mean, I, and then after the first one, you're like, okay, now it's going to work. And then the second one didn't go as planned. And then the <laughs> third one come with a different mentality. Oh, now it's my time. And it didn't work again. So. <laughs> well, well, the hard work you're putting in is definitely getting a lot of um, fans. Our live chat is blowing up with Brazilians and oh, pe yeah. <laughs> people from South America all, all cheering you on. So, man, that, that's awesome. Yeah, no, the support I get from back home and, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's I'm super grateful for you know to be in this position and uh, right now as well from from like uh, my uh, American fan base it's grown too so that's for me it's it's awesome because you know it's it's my dream and uh, yeah they just put on this uh, last race the uh, my story with Phil so on so on the race day live and NBC so it, that was pretty cool man like I watched the the video and like I almost cried <laughs> yeah. Because I know how much I sacrifice and what it means to me. So it was pretty cool. That was a really cool story. I enjoyed it. You guys had to kind of be careful because normally they bleeped a little bit. But normally, <laughs> yeah, normally you like to throw the F-bomb a lot and so does Phil. So, yeah, you had to be on your best behavior for that. But that was a cool piece. No, I'm a nice guy. Phil <laughs> is, no, Phil is the bad guy. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um Hey, shifting gears back. Well, first of all, I want to touch on what TJ said. Yeah, you're you have a great personality, which is why I think fans really connect with you. The American fans is you, you're very you're a funny guy, you're a personable guy, and you're a nice guy. And I think that that says a lot for the fans. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm more like I would say more chill than most of the guys. You mm -hmm. know, even like on race days, I'm always smiling and hanging out, and uh, yeah, always laughing. Because I've seen some guys, like, even feel like he gets in his own, like, kind of bubble with his phones and, like, doesn't talk much. I'm the opposite, man. I'm just having a good time, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a race, damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, for me, for even, because the way the season's going for me, like, everything is working so good that I'm just, I'm having the most fun at race days, you know? Whereas before, like, I would, I would have fun, like, at club but then race days i'll be super nervous whereas now it's like the opposite you know i'm just super happy to be at the races and uh, enjoy myself awesome yeah and so i have i had to before we change the subject i just wanted to ask you about the feel thing so it's like i we kind of heard him open up a, a little bit about it on pulp and then all of a sudden the story on it that next weekend was uh we, we see it i see it on the broadcast so from my perspective it was kind of like an ironic timing how how kind of did that story come about and uh do you think that had any kind of thing to do with it well, what do you mean the, so the i from my so i was like as a you know someone that's not involved with everything every day i saw like phil talk about you and your relationship um on pulp and then like that saturday i see a story about it and it just oh, the timing it. was kind of funny to me i just thought it was and did it have anything kind of correlation or was it just the random timing. Yeah, he's kind of asking why. Why did it? Why did NBC decide to do a story on you and Phil? What brought that on? Oh, so yeah, my, Mike from Club was working on that, and uh, it just made sense because I mean we're really good friends, and he dates my sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was good time. It was good timing too. But me and Phil we go back way back to uh, 2018. That's when I met him because he was riding a JGR, 
And that's when he met my sister as well, because I moved to the same apartment as him. So they started dating and I uh, found out two years later. <laughs> wow. Lucky I didn't know it was me. two years. Wow. Yeah. Lucky me. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but uh, no, I mean, uh, it's uh, Phil is a, uh, he's grumpy. He's always mad, but he's such a good guy and he helps me a lot. He guides me. He's like his brother-in-law, friend, mentor, everything for me. And, uh, yeah, like even Seattle, he went there to the race with me. Mm-hmm. It was cause Brandon wasn't there. Mike wasn't there. So it was me, Phil and, uh, my mechanic. And I, I mean, he helped me a lot. Just watching me ride, like things to do on the bike. Even this weekend in Arizona, like watching from TV, like he would text me what I needed to improve, like asking about the bike and what I should do. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm super grateful for him. That's cool to hear. Um, I want to step back again to the start struggles for just a minute. You've been good at starts before. We've talked about that. So when you decide to work on those during the week at club, I, I always oh, think, oh. huh? Oh, I was going to say we did today. Lots of them. Okay. So <laughs> does that, does that get in your head almost even more where you're like, look, I've known what to do before. Now I'm working on it to get better. And if they don't get better, does that kind of mess with you a little bit that you're working so hard at something that you were good at and now you can't figure out? Yeah, it's actually funny because back in my amateur days, like in 85s, I would have a stock bike against Forkner, Saxton, like in the mod classes, and I would hole shot every single model, no matter what gate or whatever. <laughs> and uh, since I turned pro, like I've been struggling with that. I uh, And like even if you watch me ride, like I'm, I think I'm taller and like stronger than most of the guys, like heavier. But I don't know, because like if you compare me to J-Mark, like dude he has 20 pounds less than me you know <laughs> yeah not but, much there yeah that's something i try not to get in my head like even at, before a1 my starts are not good at all and i'm like fuck <laughs> i'm not gonna work on them because i uh i'm not gonna get like over my head about this you know and i mean it did work <laughs> but then now like i mean since i have the break like i might as well work on them and like we're working with the maps and stuff because mm. my jump is okay the problem is once i hit the dirt we're trying to figure that out but i uh it's like i would say like a fine line because i like i said i don't want to get over my head with these and think too much because you just gotta come let it come natural like especially for me yeah i think that's i think that's a good point and so does the does the great start play any part of the maybe the difference that you experienced like you were talking about when you were an amateur uh oh yeah 100 percent. yes yeah is it the metal grates does it really how much does that affect how much adjustment is that to get used to those uh to be honest like uh i've said it before like i'm not i'm not much of a like a guy that has much feeling so mm. i mean for me it was just getting used to it, you know yep but i have a lot of grip so that's why I, I, we've been working with the mapping because if i don't use the map i feel like the the launch is too hard for me, so I always wheelie. So we put like a rev limiter so I can control the bike better, you know? Okay, yeah. That, that's what the problem is. You got too much power with that <laughs> yeah. Yamaha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying to tame it, tame it down. Hey, Enzo, I want I don't think you're going to give me a, a clear answer, but there's there's rumors of, you know, some factory rides reaching out to you and maybe trying to, for next year. What would you, what would be ideal for you? I think you've earned a, the spot, a spot because of what you're capable of. We can see it. And, but club MX has been there for you for a long time. And it's like family. I would think that'd be a difficult decision, but what, 
would be ideal for you? I mean, as far I mean, I uh, as far as right now, like uh, people are saying, but there's I I haven't had like offers, and I'm happy where I am with club. You know, like you said, me and club were family. We go back to 2020 when I first started here, and uh, I just uh, I just know the people and the bike, and they know me and how to work with me, especially like Phil and Brandon, because like I said, I'm not much of a guy to feel like the bike properly, so they watch me and they kind of know which direction to go. So I really like that. So it, it's uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Okay. But uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, I do enjoy club and the team and everyone, and the bikes are really fast. Otherwise, oh, yeah. we, me and, otherwise me, Jeremy, and Phil wouldn't be doing so good, you know. They, um, I guess the the rumor talk is one of the holdbacks from getting a factory ride would be you're not really big into riding the outdoors. You like to go home and race the Brazilian Nationals and and go down there. I mean, is that something that you want? Like, you would rather just do Supercross only, go home and race in Brazil, or you like? I mean, is the plan to race outdoors? No, I mean that uh, that thing about racing in Brazil. I, I must have told someone, but it's uh, it's out of the door uh, for me. Like, uh, I have different plans. But the thing with the motocross, people don't realize that uh, after I. Uh, so I raced outdoors in 2018 for JGR, yeah. and in 2019 I uh, I got hurt and I didn't do. It. And then I uh, I went to club for 2020, and club at the time it was Supercross only. And then 21 I was Phoenix, and they didn't do outdoors. And then 22 I was with club again, but then I had the issues in my arm, and then I had it fixed after Supercross, you know. So. And then I couldn't do outdoors. So people think, oh, Enzo don't want to do outdoors. No, I mean, it just didn't, it just didn't happen, you know. So we'll see you this so, year? Well, this year I went club. No, because not <laughs> of my contract. Yeah. Yeah, I think J-Mart, J-Mart's going to be the, the focus outdoors. And, yeah. But, um, oh, yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy's been putting the work. Yeah, yeah. he's looking good. And, uh, yeah, there's also Garrett yep. in the 250. Yeah, Garrett's Garrett's going to be good. I think he's he seems like he's getting strong. I talked to him at Daytona, and he's yeah, he'll be back strong. Um, I want to ask you this: You went pro in eighteen, but your first Supercross full season was nineteen. What do you feel for you was the biggest learning curve since you had not rode a lot of Supercross, and what have you improved on the most? I mean, the whole track inside the stadium. That's what. <laughs> Fair. I mean, it's just it's just unreal how how far I've come, you know. Like uh, I used to train with Brett Metcalf back in the day. He uh, he helped me so much into Supercross, and I remember like the first day riding took me five days to jump a Supercross triple. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I I was in twenty in nineteen my first year in Supercross. Like I was like a lot of tension i guess and expecting a lot of myself from being on a factory team and uh, rushing things not having any confidence at all and uh, my bike the bike was good but like my setup wasn't ideal you know because i didn't really know what i wanted and uh it's just a lot of things a lot of things changed and uh i just kept growing and uh yeah i mean 2020 was already better because i got fifth but then 21 like uh, yeah, I got injured, and then 22 was the breakout ride, and then this year too. But yeah, I've come long, long ways. Just I think the first year I was super nervous and sure. trying so damn hard, 
And for me, that doesn't work. I just got to, like, go with the flow, you know? Enzo Lopes tonight brought to you by FXR. Enzo, do you do you see a scenario where you're, you might have enough Supercross points where you could do the SMX thing? Or do, do you see maybe, like, okay, I, if I go and get a couple of top tens and nationals, I'll make the SMX thing. Does that... Does that have any kind of relevance, or is it just you're moving on to the next thing until next year? Um, to be honest, I'm just moving on. I I didn't even thought about the super motocross. I don't mm. even know how it works. To be honest, <laughs> fair enough. Um, talk, you mentioned training at club and and watching Jeremy ride, and you know there's some kids out there right now that rode futures this weekend. Trevor, uh, I think it's Collip and Mark uh, Finus. I'm not sure how Finus. you said. What is it? Yes, tennis. Yeah, those those kids are looking good. What do you what do you like about riding with these? You can ride with the kids, and you ride with Jeremy, and you're riding with uh, Phil. There's a lot of different levels, a lot of different abilities, and a lot of knowledge out there that one you can soak up, but then you can also pass along to these new kids. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it was Tuesday. We had like a group of, I don't know, like fifteen guys. It, it was crazy. But like you said, it's like me, Jerma, and then we have Jace Owen, Shaw, Cullen Park, and then we go to the amateur kids, Avery Long, Marky, we have Trevor, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. Like, I can always learn from Jerma, especially on this new track. He's so good at, like, the really tight stuff. And uh, for the amateur kids, they can watch me and Jeremy ride and pick up on some, like, different rhythms and lines. It's actually funny because Marky, like the gas gas kid, he's he like he pull, he will do some rhythms before me and Jeremy, you know. <laughs> like he's, the kids got some balls. <laughs> yeah, that's that's youth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we try to give them some pointers, like in the wolf, especially where they struggle the most, and like bike setup where we think it's I don't oh this is too stiff, this is too soft, you know. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a good balance, you know, to have around. Absolutely. Um, and it's good practice, and it's good practice, like because uh, uh, we'll do motos, and then Brandon will put like me and Jeremy behind some guys, or in the middle, and we're just gonna fight our way through like a race. Yeah, that's good, right there, right. Working on that intensity, because if you're just single file and making, you know, if Jeremy goes whatever five seconds ahead of you, and then you go, I don't think you get the same intensity if you actually have a gate drop and you're riding with a bunch of guys like that. No, definitely not. No, and uh, you got to work on your passes. And mm -hmm. yeah, like riding with guys, it helps so much because you feel like you're in a race. Because if you ride by yourself, like you always think, oh, I'm the best of the best. I'm riding so good. But then you show up on race days and then you get your ass kicked, you know? <laughs> that, that, that's how I feel when I ride by myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. so fast. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, last question I have for you is I think the next race you'll be at is a showdown uh yep. do you like the showdowns does it add anything different pressure wise or is, do you just go about it the same way to be honest i'm just doing my thing <laughs> i'm just doing my thing this year and uh like i said enjoying every race at a time each race at a time and uh having fun with it but yeah i mean obviously there's more pressure because there's like a double the guys is that how you say the, yeah yeah, well, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Top, the top guys from the east and the top guys from the west yeah mm -hmm. and uh yeah, like you need a good heat race to get a uh, really good uh, gate pick. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it. It can change things up, you know. And uh, I mean, I would like to do really good because, I mean, you, ha you, you have more competition. So, I mean, 
it's obviously it, it's worth a little bit more <laughs> when you have more guys on the line. So but and, we'll see what happens. And it's in New York, so you'll be used to the East Coast dirt and ruts more than these West Coast guys. So I expect a win. <laughs> oh, I mean, I uh, yeah, me too. Like uh, <laughs> I, I I love the softer like Seattle where track is like really technical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's where my it, it suits my style so much better. Like Arizona, obviously I did well, but it was so hard packed for me. The more ruts, the better. So uh, should be good. I did, I did, I did okay last year there. So we'll see. Okay. Enzo, one last quick one. We had a, a listener that wanted to know your funniest moment at club. Oh boy. Oh man. <laughs> Anything stand out? I don't know. It. <laughs> every day is funny when you have Theo and Germ around. I can't. Well, the, there is that one day they were fighting. Uh, yeah. Some well, we were in the motor and they put me first, and then Phil and then Jeremy, and then somehow feel like, uh, well, Jer- no, Jeremy in front of Phil, and then Jeremy didn't do a jump, and Phil went three into the turn, but then Jeremy cut the turn, and Phil hit hit him hit him so hard, <laughs> and like it almost do like it could have like broken Jeremy's hand. So he kept doing the motor, and then this amateur kid crashed on the dragon's back. And then the kids lay da- laying down there in pain. And meanwhile, Phil and Jeremy are going off, fighting <laughs> each other. And like, dude. <laughs> I mean, that was super funny. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard this story before. No, 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 no. No? No. no I heard dude. it. Poor, poor kid was on the ground. And meanwhile, Phil was like, oh, I'm going to kill you, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna send you back to Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It, it does. Uh, it does feel like it's kind of one of those things where, like the the scenario is almost like a TV show with Phil and J and J Mart. It's like there's not one funniest moment. It just Daily. perpetually grows yeah. and grows to every day. No, is it's just it's it evolved. Is. Yeah. It is. It is daily. Like, uh, I, and I'm not lying. I mean, obviously, <laughs> Phil is not there anymore, so it's not as funny. But me and Jeremy, we still have fun. But with Phil there, us, us three, oh, dude, like every day, every single day. And uh, uh, yeah, e- either way, it was great to be around them. Super cool. Well, hey, Enzo, you're always great to talk to. Always have good stories and great, just a great time talking to you. So thank you for coming on tonight, and good luck, man, in New Jersey in a couple of weeks. No, thanks for thanks for the opportunity. Super cool, super super awesome to talk to you guys and uh, share a little bit of behind the scenes, I guess. Yes, sir. Well, you have a good night, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks. You too. Thank you. All bye. Right. All right, bye. Enzo Lopes tonight, brought to you by FXR. Always good, dude. That was that was. I'm glad who I saw that question in there, and I'm glad he asked. Yeah, it that ended it well. Yeah. Um, a few more things to talk about. We've got Kyle Chisholm coming up in just a couple minutes. Jets. Jet Lawrence's triple crown woes, quote unquote. Oh my god, they're over. Ridiculous. Kind of seems ridiculous, but then he was so excited, Scotty. Like, like almost makes me feel like he did need to get that monkey off his back. I mean, that's fair. I've. I, it seems so weird. I'm just. I'm. I've, I don't even know if I should go into this, but let's do it. We got I like j- five ten minutes. I just feel like. I'm I'm so tired of like these these little stories be something that is just trying has, to build a pup. Yeah, dude, it's just like he, yeah, he won. He's been the fastest guy all year. Like, yeah, he's had some his his the two or three mistakes that he's made this season have been at triple crowns. Yeah, okay, like right. maybe for him he did need it, but uh, you seems know, like it. I guess I mean I guess there's relevance to that, but it just seems like 
Yeah, he okay, he won a triple crown. Cool. Check it off. Move on. <laughs> right, Let's go. Right. Yeah. Do you think it would have bothered him or been anything if people wouldn't have made a thing out of it? You get what I'm mm, saying? That's a good question. Yeah. Like it's I, just tired I, was, of I thought you were gonna it. ask, would it have bothered him if he lost again? And I'd say yes. Now at that point, yes, it's in his head, which still doesn't make much sense. But um like if he Yeah, I th- I, I would say probably not. Yeah. He probably wouldn't have thought as much about it if it hadn't been talked about. And it got talked to Dan Hubbard brought it up. Love Dan, man. Dan's a buddy, but Dan I brought mean, it up way not, too many times. It's they have to. Right? I know. It's the storyline they're focused on, but it's they gotta create like, some kind of storyline. Okay, so if he doesn't win this triple crown, does his confidence of winning the championship change no, at all? Exactly. No, so no, no. That there 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 you go. That's all I have to say. <laughs> um did you have something? Oh, no, no, oh, okay. No, no I was just reading the comments. Uh, another talk topic I want to bring up and then we'll get to Chiz here in a second is unfortunately Christian Craig crashes in qualifying <sighs> a dislocated elbow dislocated hip broken elbow dislocated hip that's intense yeah they had to pop that thing back in place that sounds awful so the question comes up Husky has to put somebody on the 450 they have to have a guy on a 450 does RJ do it so RJ is currently second in points I think he's 26 down that's a lot but let's say race. let's say Jet gets hurt this week in practice and can't race the rest of the season. There's a championship that li- is somewhat possible for RJ. Do you give that up to move up to the 450 if they ask you to? Yes. Now, I asked him this right after Christian got hurt, and I got an answer that I cannot repeat. Don't, don't, yeah, say, don't, don't say his answer until we I give can't, our, I can't our, say it, but, but what it's I'm off saying, the record. Absolutely, positively, you take it. Because all it does, because he, he can actually ride the bike good, mm-hmm. it just helps his stock in the future. Because a team looking at him going, RJ's kind of crazy, but he can win, and he's good on a 450 if we want to give him that contract. You get what I'm saying? I, I see it for contract negotiations and making Husky feel like you're a team player. But, Scotty, I don't see it when you could legitimately win a championship yeah, maybe you win the championship because somebody got hurt, and yes, it's just a regional championship, so maybe there is a balancing act that you got to figure mm-hmm. out, but I think that championship's important. Yeah, I see. I thought oh, I thought that you were going to be talking more about should he be a move up for outdoors, but as far I, as... Yeah, that, that would be more realistic than yeah, moving that, up for that, the last... that makes but, a little more sense, like, you know, but the the question is, the real question is, is why? where does he make you the most money? Does he make you the most money being... You know, the scenario you're talking about where, where Jet goes out, I mean, you can say he's the next guy that would probably be the one that benefited the most from that. Well, yeah, he's in second place. Well, that And he's the most likely to win because sure. of that, right. So is he better winning a lights or better in eighth place, ninth place in the the 450 class? And the next question I, I would ask is, why not give a guy like Benny Bloss or somebody that knows that platform pretty well that has kind of already been established in the class there. Why don't you give that guy a, a chance to finish out the season? Well, I don't see why you would do that more than just to pulling somebody out of, like you said, a championship. Yeah, I don't know the business side of it. Um, to me, if I'm Husky, I think I want RJ to have the opportunity to win a championship. I, that's what I think. But then maybe he's they- 26 points down. He there's He's so far out of it. He's a race out of it. Okay, so if Jet doesn't finish a race, well, he's then, in it. Then he's yeah. in it. But and, until that point... But if you pull what, out yeah. now... And then Jet goes and down. And you don't race New Jersey... Oh, you're saying pull out and not race any more 250s. No, I he, thought you meant just ride the 450 on the opposite coasts. 
Well, I think they have to have a 450 on the track every round, I think. So they have to have somebody on that bike. Oh, so I, I misunderstood now the question. Now, they may be able to choose to say, well, we're not, because there's only a few left, right? So yeah. they, I think I think it's something like two races you can be without and not start getting fined. So I, maybe they just work it where, yeah, on the other coast, he's on a 450. Maybe that's it works out. Um, I don't think he... He said in the press conference, I think it was, that... Like there, he still doesn't really have a setting he's comfortable with. So I, yeah. I, I think he's. I mean, I, th- I just think he should stay on the two fifty. Personally, I, I think the, I don't know if he has choice. I think the new rules and all that kind of stuff basically let everybody. I mean, like, like there's no advantages for him, I guess, to move to the four fifty where because he's not. I mean, until he wins a championship, he can ride that class. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, maybe the, you're right. The, this, the scenario, though, that you described that, you know, you pull him out and then something does happen. How that, that you look like terrible. Like, Jet, Jet even have, doesn't even have to get injured. He has a mechanical or something and then right. he doesn't, he doesn't finish. And all of a sudden, I mean, I guess, yeah. And then RJ's not there to, to make that gap. I mean, you look, that would look really bad. So, I don't know. It's like, Risk reward. What do you? Yeah, what do you do? I, I misunderstood the question. But okay, yeah. uh, I think our next guest of the night is on. Um, I'm hoping he picked up. We're gonna. He's gonna be brought to you tonight by Guts Racing. Andy Gregg and the Guts Racing crew have been providing the best seats and foam in the industry for years. For 2023, they've added Kawasaki to their complete seat lineup, as well as the color teal to the gripper material options available. Also new for 2023 are options for your e-bike. They have complete seats for the Talaria the Super 73, and covers for Segway and Suron, and they have options for the Honda, KTM, and Husqvarna electric bikes. So visit GutsRacing.com and order your seats. They have an incredibly fast turnaround. Guts Racing, best seat covers on the market. Guts Racing tonight brings us from the Progressive Insurance, Twisted T, Hep Motorsports, Suzuki, Kyle Chisholm. What's up, Chiz? Hey, guys. What's going on? Not much. Uh, been out testing today? Uh, yes, all the time. Uh <laughs> Yeah, no, it seems like it never ends, but I enjoy it, obviously. But, you know, we're just always trying to get better and better. And, and I know we've said it before, but, you know, we had a little bit of a late start. And then uh, Matt from Active Ride, which has oh, been my suspension guy for a while, he came on the team, you know, like, what, four races in or something like that. So, yeah, just been playing a lot of catch up. And um, so, yeah, I feel like we're always, always testing. Normally, at this point in the year, you're kind of – you're kind of settled. You always try to, you always try to be better, but you're pretty set. Um, but I think with that late start, we've been kind of, you know, still just trying to figure things out and I'm learning the bike and Kenny and Shane, everybody, you know, whatever. So yeah, still testing a little more than the normal. We've had, we've been riding some outdoors too. Mm. So I start some outdoor testing and, and, uh, yeah, just, just plugging away. Yeah. You've talked a couple of times about coming to like having a late start, getting to know the bike, uh, what I want to know, you know, th- first of all, you just had your best finish of the season with an 11th. Um, with the new responsibilities of helping test and develop the bike, has that changed how you train? Does that maybe impact you a little bit negatively for racing? Yes and no. I mean, sometimes yes. You know, if it's like, hey, we got to do this, right? And I'm like, man, I just want to ride. Just like, you know, I, I don't want to have to do all that. But, you know, that's what I signed up for. It's what I, I do enjoy that part of it too. Um, so it just kind of is what it is, but yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be a little bit of a, 
a negative as far as like just me personally, like my personal racing. Right. Um, but in the big picture, it's a hundred percent worth it, you know, and, and I do enjoy doing it. So, um, yeah, it's tough sometimes just balancing like, Hey man, I got to focus just on me cause I got to go out there and perform and do good and <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. But then at the same time, like I said, it's, to be able to help like Kenny to try to be better and do better, which, you know, in turn helps the team and it's just good for everybody. You know, that's just a whole nother aspect of it. Like I said, that I signed up for that, that I, I enjoy and, and um, yeah, sometimes makes it a little tougher, you know, just on me personally, um, just being able to focus on just me kind of being selfish and just worrying about myself. But like I said, I'm, just to the point in my career and thankful for the opportunity that I don't have to just worry about myself. I can, you know, kind of help in, in other ways too. So, yeah. 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 I just, everything that you just discussed, I was wanting to know how that kind of like affected your drive to continue to race at least later in your career. Does it, you know, you had your Yamaha ride that was essentially the same kind of program you had for a couple of years and you were very successful with what you did. Like you just mentioned on your own, you know, you like the responsibilities. Does it impact it positively to continue career or does it kind of make you think about, okay, maybe this makes me want to do less of it? Um, man, not really. I mean, not really. Um, kind of at the beginning of the year this year, I just, it's been, I, I don't want to say struggle at the beginning, but more like roller coaster. It'd be like, Oh, I feel really good this weekend. I'm liking it the next weekend. Oh, I'm sucking and I'm not comfortable and I'm whatever. And then, Oh, I'm good again. And then all oh, bad again. And then, and then some injuries here and there in between. So it's been a little bit of like a bumpy, bumpy ride, uh, through the year so far, but I feel like we're just kind of like, hopefully just like over the hill and not literally I'm getting old, but not over the hill that way, but you know, <laughs> um, you know, just over the, over the hump, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, um, yeah, I feel like we're in a really good spot, uh, super comfortable, uh, with some late, some of the later changes that we've just made. And, um, but as far as like just my drive to ride, honestly, you know, no, it, like I said, it takes a little bit more out of me in terms of like having more responsibility, like trying to not just worry about myself and me performing. It's trying to, okay, I'm good. Or maybe I'm not good, but Hey, even though if I'm not whatever, I still got to go help this guy or help try to help the team in another way. Um, that, that is, like I said, that's the part that's just a little bit more to my plate. But as far as like just my drive racing, no, hundred percent. If I didn't want to race, I wouldn't be out there. Um, I, I love racing. Um, it hasn't drained me any, if, if you're kind of saying like, has that drained me from like wanting to continue racing? No, honestly. Um, I feel like I'm, I can pretty well like separate like my job as far as like helping the team and then my personal, like just me being out there and being a racer, you know, for myself. So, um, I'm enjoying the, the job part of it, what are you going to call it? Yeah. Helping the team. And then me as a racer, that's like just a whole separate thing in my mind where it's like, I just want to go do my best and see what can that be? You know what I mean? And try to keep getting better and, and just do me. And I think just the day will come when I'm like, Hey, I just, I don't want to do it anymore. And then maybe that other job is still on the table and I can just keep up on the team or whatever, you know, however that kind of goes. So yeah, no, just enjoying racing still and, and enjoying my new, you know, the other part of it. All right. I got it. I got, I need some explanation to help some of us slow riders to understand <laughs> This bike has been around for a couple of years now. Like, 
it seems like by now, out of all the teams, all the championships, it's still the same. Like, is there more to improve? I don't understand how I keep hearing about we got to test, we got to change. I mean, this. I mean, can't you just take like the like that 08 shock and throw it on because you know oh it works God. good? I mean, like I, I know it's that that's kind of ridiculous, but it seems kind of crazy that the bike still needs improvement. And th- and I'm not trying to be like a dick. I just does it make sense to slow riders like me? Yep. Sometimes yes, it is that easy. Just go back to the old, and then sometimes I wish it was as easy. Just say <laughs> throw on the old thing. Um, man, to be honest, I think it's just the level is always getting better, right? Like bikes are always changing. Um, obviously, Suzuki hasn't had a lot of change, you know, recently. But as far as you know, just in general, bikes are always changing. New parts are coming out. Everybody, like just aftermarket companies, the factories, OEMs everybody's always trying to develop something better. Right. So if there's always new stuff coming out or whatever, you're always testing that, trying it and nothing's perfect. That's one thing I've learned. I, I, it's going to be really hard to ever make the perfect bike, right? Like if a bike turns really good, it's probably not going to be super stable under high speed conditions. Right. And vice versa. So you might try to get the best of both worlds sometimes, but it's never going to be perfect. So you're always trying to improve whatever the lack in the bike does, right? The Yamaha does this good. The Cowie does this good. The Suzuki does this good. The Honda does it. You know what I mean? And this does this bad. And this does this bad. So you're always trying to find ways to improve the weak points without sacrificing the good things that the character that the bike does. And there's so many changes um, that, that you can do, you know, that just at our level too, like, so I was riding outdoors. I'll give you a little example. I was riding outdoors. I had my forks at four millimeters, um, as far as like fork tube height, which is what I run in supercross. So I started that for outdoors. I was like, man, the bike's just a little low in the front. So I went to two. So I changed it. I just slid the forks down two millimeters to just get the front a little taller. And I've been there doing a moto yeah, I was, I was doing like a, a, it was like a 20 plus one or 20 plus two, um, just riding, trying to get my outdoor legs under me. And so I made that change. I went from four millimeters to two millimeters and I'm out there the whole time. Like, gosh, I knew it. I should have just went to three, two. <laughs> it was too much, you know, two millimeters was just too much. So the whole time I'm out there, like I'm finishing the moto. I'm like, ah, I should have just went one millimeter. So like, there's just such, and not everybody's like that. Not every pro is like that. Not everybody is like that, but um, I'm super sensitive just being able to feel changes and things on the bike. Um, but at that top level, especially every little bit can help and hurt. And it's so small, you know, at that, at the top of the peak, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about like the, the rocks and the Tomax and webs and those guys. Um, and then it just trickles down it's just every little bit can help. So you're always just trying to get better. So everybody's always trying to come out with something new. What can you make it better? Another example, look at like Tiger Woods, right? He was the one of the most winning golfers, you know, as he was when he was younger and he went through, I think I'm a golf fan. So he went through like three swing changes. So he's the best golfer in the world. He wins all these tournaments. Why is he getting a new coach and completely changing his swing? Well, if you ever listened to like an interview from him, he's got to get better. He felt like he maxed out as good as he could be with that type of the way he swung the golf club. And he completely changed the swing with a new coach. And he did that like multiple times through his career. I think he's on like his fourth golf coach and golf swing. So 
I think everybody's just always getting better and trying to get better. So yeah, I think you can't really ever stop testing and, and trying to get better. You can find a good point where it's like, Hey, we have a good base here. Don't, don't stray far away from it, but you're always tinkering trying to, trying mm-hmm. to just find something. better. So I want to ask you how close your setup is to Kenny's. And the reason I ask that is if you're going, one of your primary focuses this year, probably your primary focus is helping yep. him get the bike better. So yep. if that setup is not ideal for you necessarily, that's an added struggle during the week. Yeah, I mean, so it honestly would be quicker to list the differences in our bike because there's not that many. Okay. Um, so our, like engines, same, gearing, same, um, like clamps, linkage, uh, engine mounts, all the chassis stuff is the exact same. Um, the progressive side is Renthal. So obviously he runs Renthal bars and Renthal sprockets. Uh, we run Mika bars and sprockets. Um, and obviously bar bend is just going to be a preference thing anyways. So um, yeah, they're Renthal, we're Mika. Um, other than that, all the sponsors are the same. Um, our, like I said, engine, chassis, engine mounts, linkage, triple clamps, everything's the exact same. Um, he runs, which he just switched, I don't know, probably four or five races ago. He's on a minus, it's either minus five or minus 10 subframe. So it's five or 10 mil, uh, cut subframe. I'm on just a standard subframe. Um, again, just more a preference thing. I'm, I have, I'm taller, longer legs. I've never liked to cut subframe. Um, so he's on a shorter cut subframe. Um, his shock setting is just a little bit stiffer, um, a little bit more, I believe it's, I don't know if it's low speed. This would be a suspension guy question, not me. Um, <laughs> just, it's a little stiffer. I'll, I'll generalize it that way. A little bit stiffer. Um, very similar though. Uh, like as far as the, the main like character of the shock, the way it works and all that, he's just a little bit stiffer. Um, and then on the fork, we were a little bit, not way different, but, but a little bit different on fork setting. Um, and then one thing I worked on over the break, um, was the forks. Um, that's one thing I would say probably the biggest thing that helped me, uh, ride as good as I did last weekend in Glendale, um, was the fork change that we made during the week. Um, you know, leading up to it, I was really happy with it. Um, I actually rode with it again today just to kind of read, I, Hey, I still like it. It's still awesome. Um, Kenny's fork was a bit different and this fork that we came up with before Glendale was a, a completely different. I guess way to way to do it. It wasn't like a small change. It was a lot different of a feel and character. Um, I really liked. We worked on it for like two days. Probably went through like honestly twelve different changes um, with it. it. We started with the base, like just like it was a completely different, like I said, way of doing it. And we went through probably ten or twelve changes over two days uh, leading up to Glendale. I didn't even turn a clicker when we were there. It was awesome. Um, and then having a meeting after the race. You know, Larry Brooks was like, dude, your bike looks so good, you know, whatever, because he's obviously seen me ride and I rode well. Um, so we talked and we wanted Kenny to try the fork because something I think that would benefit him. So he actually tried my fork today. He tried a little bit stiffer version of it since he's on a stiffer shock. He tried just a little bit stiffer version of mine. Um, he didn't like it. It was a little bit too stiff. So then we took the forks off of my bike, put them on his bike. And he did like a 20 minute moto and loved them. And that's what he's going to race on this weekend. So the fork that I raced on at Glendale. So our forks will be the exact same. 
Um, like I said, I really liked him. Did good last weekend with him. Um, his shock's a little bit stiffer. Um, other than that, other than the rental bars, our bikes are uh, in the cut subframe. Yeah. Our bikes are the same. Okay. So, there, yeah. there was talk that he ran a different shock this weekend. Kenny did. Uh, do you know what was different about that shock? It, he just went a little bit stiffer mm-hmm. on it, I believe. Um, don't you know? hold me to it, but I believe he's he's already been a little bit stiffer than where I was on the shock. Um, I think he went just a little bit stiffer than where he was before. Um, his fork was the same as like his base fork that he's been on for a while now. Um, so that's what he raced Glendale on. Um, and then, like I said, today he put my fork on that I raced Glendale on that we came up with last week and he really liked it. Um, so for him to switch from the fork that he's been on for, gosh, probably a month or two now was, I was, we were, me and Matt, our suspension guy, were, we're both pretty surprised that he put it on and, and liked it, um, like he did. So, yeah. so yeah, he'll, he'll, and who knows, he may change his mind between now and Saturday. <laughs> he might, um, ride Saturday and go back to his base, you know, whatever, but he, he liked the fork today that we came up with and I like it. That's what I'm sticking with. Um, so yeah, that's, like I said, uh, his bars cuts up frame yeah. and his shot was stiffer, but other than that, we're, uh, our bike's the exact same. Same with Shane uh, McElrath. He runs a lowered subframe, different bar bend than us. Engine's the same. Um, he runs a little bit different clutch than me and Kenny do. Still a Henson, just a different version. I think his clutch is a little bit different. Um, he runs a maybe a heavier flywheel than we do, um, but just just small changes. Yeah, yeah. even chains might be similar. Um, but yeah, me and Kenny are very very close um, to the same. Yeah. Okay. Hey Kyle. So first off, which when is the last time that you were on a factory or factory supported team? Um, star, gosh. star, the star two fifty. Yeah, oh, two, okay, the two fifty. <laughs> yeah. Besides, I guess yeah, I was thinking I that's not what you meant. I was thinking four fifties. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, I was. I was with him. I wasn't even thinking star. Obviously, that's you know, obviously a good, obviously pretty good team to be on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but um, gosh, I, I. Honestly, it's hard. Like these days, the waters are like so muddy on what's factory and what's not. Like we're factory Suzuki, but we're not sec- like it's not like it's factory Honda. It's just different. You know what I mean? We are the factory Suzuki team, but it's not that it's still a privately owned team. You know, we're like Honda is the corporate team. So, um, gosh, man, it's been I really haven't that much over my career. Um, it's always been a lot of private private teams with factory support factory parts or access to factory parts even like on l&m you know when i was on teammate with teammates with stewart with larry you know back in 09 i mean we weren't fat there was factory yamaha we we had factory bikes and parts and access to stuff but we weren't the factory team you know per se so um honestly i'd say i've never really been on I don't oh. think the factory, even star, you know, they are factory Yamaha, but they're still privately owned. Mm, for, I got you. Okay. Well, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, where I kind of wanted to go with that was, you know, you've, you've kind of, your fandom has kind of grown throughout the years. You know, now, now your chiz is going to chiz that whole kind of uh, uh brand that you have now. He needs to start chizzing again. So I can get him back in my fantasy. <laughs> team. That's a guy I know. And I did it. I've got to keep it going now. Yeah. Well, what, five but, more. Yeah. Well, what I, I want, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Kyle. Um, no, you're good. Go ahead. So what I, I just wanted to know what how your how your fans and your interaction and that kind of support has changed a little bit this year with the being on a factory team. Do you have more opportunities with them than maybe you did in the past? Yeah, I mean, it's honestly, I don't think a lot has changed. I think um, for me, just like personally, like I, I am who I am, whether I'm doing my own thing 
you know, like I did the last few years where I'm on a factory team. Um, my fans honestly are, are awesome. Um, I, I, especially you, Jamie, you kind of know me. Like I'm not one, like I really don't like attention a whole lot as much as you would think. I'm a pretty like, whatever, uh, introvert, whatever you call it. I don't think of the word I'm thinking of, but, um, I, so I hate even saying that I have fans cause I feel like I, I'm a fan. Like I'm a fan of the sport. <laughs> yeah. So I even like saying, Oh, my fans, but, but I do get it. Like all my hardcore chiz fans. Um, honestly, like I said, for me, nothing's really changed. Like I said, if I'm doing it on my own in a pickup truck or if I'm on a factory team, um, when I was at star last year, you know, this year with, with the whole half Suzuki team, um, and doing it on my own, it's, I feel like my fans, like my core hardcore chiz fans, just, they're there no matter what, you know, I think I've just, I've done this so long and been around long enough. And, um, and for me, it doesn't change anything, whether I'm on, on my own or on a factory team. Um, it's been awesome. You know, just, just the support through the years to have all my, my chess fans, you know, it's awesome. Definitely. You, you, uh, you, you, you kind of led into my question when you brought up L and M because um, you've been in the sport a little while, and um, <laughs> yeah. geez, I just I forgot it's been that long. But what the question I had was, you see somebody like Barsha coming on later, a little bit later in his career, and you've been steady and still holding on to a long career. What like, what do you think about that when you see somebody who maybe people have written off uh, other riders and stuff like that, and then they get which we would call long in the tooth or whatever in moto. And then they're, they're making improvements and getting better. Yeah. I mean, I think you just can't ever really count anybody out. Right. Like, like Justin, even like Eli, like, look, Eli's, he's what, I think he's 30 or 29, whatever he is. And like, and even Justin, what is, I think 30 or close to it. Like, um, man, you just never know. Like again, everybody's so good at everybody that's racing at supercross even the guys that don't make the mains you know they're all really good riders so um i think you just never know when things might click you might start to figure something out so much of our sport i think i mean a lot pretty much any pro sport so much of it is mental you know everybody at a pro level at nfl uh mlb nba golf you know like what we do it that at a pro level it's just it's such a peak right and you just never know when things might click and because so much of it's mental everybody's ability at that peak they didn't get there like by chance right like they're all very able very well very good probably talented they probably work some harder than others but you know what i mean like everybody's pretty dang good at a pro level that the mental side is such a big part of it and i mean i'll just say for me personally that's been one of the biggest things that's kept me going and I think helped me to keep like improving and like, like a Barsha, you never know. He might just, you know, personal development or whatever might've figured something out, matured a little bit, maybe later than some other people and just figured something out mentally, which he's always had maybe the talent, the skill, the ability, maybe the work ethic, but maybe mentally he just kind of didn't let it happen or just held himself back, you know, even unknowingly. But I think a lot of that is mental. You just kind of come, come into it you know if i had gotten that star ride last year when i was you know 20 maybe i wouldn't have done as good or i would have put all this pressure on myself or whatever and like i would have sucked oh hey like okay so just to like like i guess a little insight like personal whatever like when i got when i got that call from bobby reagan last year to come ride their bike that's 
arguably or not arguably we're going to call it the best 250 out there right like yeah like or if you just want to look at look at everything they obviously have a good the last 10 years it's what probably the winning winningest bike or team and when i got that call even though i'm just on my own privateer 450 just doing my own thing and i'm doing pretty good right like on my own last year when i got that call it's like dude i'm 34 years old and I just got this call, this opportunity. What if I go suck like that? That is that going to like tarnish my name? Like you can't get on a star 250 and suck. You know what I mean? Like, but what if I do? Like I don't like that. Would that would be like the end, or that'd be terrible, or whatever, right? Yeah. I can only think like if I was 20 years old and I got that call. You're so excited, but you're also so nervous. Like oh my gosh, this is so great, but I also oh my gosh, I can't go suck now. Like I have to go do good and I have to perform. So like some people might think that way. Like I probably would have. I think I I think I would have back then. But now when I got that call, sure that thought crossed my mind because I think that's normal. But you know, I was like, you know what? If I suck, who cares? I'll go back to doing what I was doing. All you know, nothing's gonna change. It's not gonna one or two races or whatever. If I suck, doesn't change. So let's take that opportunity and run with it. Let's just go do our best, right? We're like that was just my mindset change. That probably would have been different from ten years earlier. You know, whatever when I was younger. So I think you just never know when people are gonna kind of mentally mature. And I think that's at least again for me, there's been been a big part of like me being able to kind of continue with what, you know, where I'm at, you know, I'm not, I'm not as good as I used to be. I used to be, if I didn't get top 10 or close to the top five, I was pissed. You know, that, that weekend sucked, you know, now I got 11th last weekend and I'm like, dude, that was awesome. That was great. Not like out partying and celebrating, but it's like, that was like, you can just go to bed at night. Like that was good. That was a really good effort where, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been pissed that I got 11th. You know what I mean? So I think just things change. People mature differently and see things differently. And, um, yeah, the mental side is just so big and you never know when people are going to, things are going to all click and all come together. You know? Uh, Hey, Couchism tonight brought to you by guts racing. Yeah. I had a, uh, I guess to follow up to that is what's different now. How are, riders in their 30s i mean i remember like larocco was like my guy because he was like the older guy i think he was 31 or something like that whenever he retired and windham and now you have guys like you and then barsha like we said moving up what's what's changed now because i promise you the guys aren't training less i think just i think a lot of it honestly just like medical like injuries and recovery like just things that that are smarter from what like think of larocco like what what was his last year right probably like early 2000s yeah, or something yeah. like that. I mean, that this makes me feel old when I say this, but <laughs> that was almost 20 years ago. Oof. You know what I mean? Like, just think of the, the surgeries and the, and the, the physical therapies and the treatments and stuff that have just, <laughs> I think guys have gotten smarter. You know, you think back like that doesn't seem like it, but that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, like, I think that's a big part of it. I think training um, is a big part. And honestly, Man, I I don't know. I think um, I think maybe guys look back at like even like the Villapotos and who knows? I I don't know. Even Dungey, maybe they're happy and R in RC. Those guys retired when they were. And granted, they probably did. They probably didn't need money, you know, at that point for them. But like, what were they? They're the mid to late twenties when they were done. And I just 
I think maybe some guys now kind of see some of those guys like, man, I think I could have raced a few more years. Look at Dungey coming back this past year. Like, man, I probably could have raced and made a lot of money for just a few more years. So I think like a guy like Tomac, it's like, dude, if you're winning the races still, why would you stop? You know what I mean? Like why, why stop doing it? So I think if you're healthy, you're able to be competitive where you want to be. I think guys maybe look at, some medical, like I said, just better care and, and access and just, you know, overall, just in general, better health um, as far as like surgeries and injuries go. But then also, I, got, I think maybe maybe learning from some guys that maybe call it quits too soon, you know, whatever, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. For me, honestly, like I just I've said this before, but I love what I do. I still can do pretty good at it and I can make a pretty good living doing it so until one of those three things change <laughs> yeah why would i not do it you know what i mean if i suck that's one thing if i'm just not competitive anymore that's one thing if i'm not making money at it that's one thing but if i can do those things enjoy it or if i hate it you know if i hate what i do every day well then i'll go find something else to do but you know if i can make money and i love it and still competitive why not do it so maybe those guys you know kind of see that too and and uh yeah, yeah i don't know awesome uh okay my last question for you and you somewhat touched on it with that with that answer is yeah. At your older age, do you find that the fitness or the bike skills have diminished any or or just more difficult to maintain? Honestly, not really. I wish I could like I've always thought about this. I wish I could like whatever time whatever you call it, time warp like myself, like right now, back to like, you know, 2010 or something like that, or whatever. And I'm like, dude, if I was as I think I'm better now than I was then. You know, just the skill in general has risen, you know what I mean? Just of everybody of the sport. And, you know, for me, I feel like I'm way smarter and this might kind of tie into what we just, what I just talked about a minute ago. Um, I feel like I train way smarter. So I went through my years of overtraining and, and I still make mistakes. You know, nobody's perfect, but like just overdoing, I was always a hard worker. Um, I, if it's like, Hey, do 15 pushups, I'm going to do 16, you know, or just because, you know, just whatever. So I think smarter training, smarter recovery, um, that stuff I've learned. Um, honestly, I think I enjoy the challenge of always trying to get better and improve. So I think, I think I have now it's hard to measure it because I can't time warp. Like I just said, I wish I could go back and race against myself, you know, back right. 10 years ago. Cause I think I would beat myself 10 years ago. <laughs> now, like I just said, 10 years ago, I would have been pissed about an 11. Yeah. Like, Oh, 11th was great. But like, I bet my 11th place self at Glendale would have beat my my seventh place self 10 years ago. You know, whatever. I I think that's what I think. Um, and it, one way I've kind of thought of looking at that is like, you know, I'm 35. I'll be 36 this year, and it's like, I look at like, okay, maybe I got 11th. Maybe I'm a a 10th to 15th place guy, right? You know, on I, you know, on a good weekend, that's where I am. Well, sure, I'm not the fifth, the 10th place guy that I was, but like. Like this weekend, I I battled with with Dean Wilson the last moto. I got tenth, you know, in the last race, and I was right there with him for a lot of moto. I beat Justin Hill was just behind me, and I'm like, okay, Justin Hill is a 250 champion, you know, whatever. He's I think podium or almost podium 450 races. Dean Wilson is a multi-time time champion, national champion, you know, on a 250 and stuff. Like guys, I'm racing with were once champions. So it's like, 
like I was never a champion. I've never won a championship at in AMA, you know, I've in Canada and whatever, but not AMA pro racing. So like I'm older, but I'm battling with guys that were once champions. So like, I feel like for me, I haven't really fallen off that much, you know, when I really think about it, because like I said, at one point, like, and I'm not, I'm just using an example from this weekend. I love Dean. I'm good. I'm friends with him, but like, at one point, Dean would smoke me. You know what I mean? Like he's mm-hmm. he's a champion. And then now I'm close with him. Obviously, he's had a ton of injuries over the years. Same with me. But like, again, so I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm not saying I'm better than him at all. But it's like I'm even close. You know, I finished just behind him. You know, he beat me, but I was close. Where you know, ten years ago, maybe I wouldn't even have been close. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to look at it too. It's just like you know, Justin Hill won a championship. I didn't win a championship. You know, whatever. So it's like. Man, I've gotten older and whatever, but I think I've just gotten smarter in training and recovery on the mental side um, to kind of maybe maintain more of a, a level. If you had a graph, yeah. you know, my thing is more level, you know, for a longer period of time. Then maybe guys, some guys have a higher peak and a more of a fall off, you know, whatever. And um, like I said, for me, I think it's just enjoying it, the drive to keep trying to get better and just loving what I do. So yeah, like I said, it's cool to, it's cool for me, you know, to look at it like, man, I got 11th, but I battled with guys that have won races, won championships and, you know, stuff like that. So that's, that's a cool way to look at it. Love it, man. What a great conversation. Chiz, thank you for having time for us as always. Um, always good to talk to you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Always enjoy coming on talking to you guys. Thank you for having me. Yep. Good luck this week in Atlanta and uh, we'll talk to you real soon, bud. Yep. Thank you guys. Right. Have a good night. You too. Yep. That's Couchism brought to you by Guts Racing. The cheers. Yeah, dude. He's he's a just a good, easy interview. Yeah. He has so much to say. If he ever ever comes back for like the pro challenge or something, we need to have him in studio. Yeah, yeah. We've tried to get him over a couple times for that. Yeah. Um I want to mention we were gonna do the Luxon MXGP recap. I think we're gonna skip that tonight because we still have a bunch of topics and we got Carson Mumford coming up in a few minutes. But I do want to touch on Luxon. And when it comes to triple clamps, suspension, and chassis parts, there's no comparison. Luxon MX makes the best parts you can buy. Luxon's advanced engineering background and techniques allow them to develop products that are unlike the rest. They're lighter and stronger with optimized stiffness to enhance your riding comfort and precision. And Luxon products are designed, engineered, and made in the USA. So check them out online at www.luxonmx.com. All orders of $100 or more ship free within the continental U.S., and you can save 10% with promo code MOTOXPOD. Um, I got a couple topics. I don't think we have time to get into a few of them. Let's, uh, I want to remind everybody, we do have a Moto X Pod show, Pulp MX Fantasy League. So you guys can join. Just go to no. search the league, Moto X Pod. Uh, Turnt, T-U-R-N-T, is leading right now. He bumped up. I, I hate all those people. I know. A few weeks ago, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to have to kick out some of these guys that are beating me, but yeah, that would absolutely. be almost everybody. Yeah. There would literally probably be me and then and maybe nobody you. else. I would be behind okay. you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, but join our league. Can, fantasy can just eat it. Join our Moto X Pod show league, and we will try to have some pre- prizes for the top three at the end of the season. It's fun just to talk some trash. It's it's funny because I I know that if I was like able to participate like I would want to and yeah. was I'd be like saying the same stuff as y'all but like why are you not able to because I work Saturday nights. What does that have to do that with has nothing to do? Okay, well, why why does that why does that mean you can't play? 
I just I would want to make my picks like right after I saw qualifying and oh, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and and that's when you make your picks. But if he's working, yeah. But I, I go to work right the the end, the end of it. I it's just it just it's just can't really do the research you want to do. Yeah, I, I would. I want to make yeah. fun of you for that, but but at the same time. Yeah. So what? Uh, anyways, that wasn't really the point. The point yeah. was that I. It's funny being on the side that doesn't play, listening to you guys. It's it's, it's like it's like ever. yeah, it's like when you're when when you're drinking and then everybody else is drinking. You're like, oh yeah, having a great time. But then when you're not drinking and watch everybody else, like, oh my god, like this yeah. guy's. Look ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I hate the game. This is my last year. I'm retiring. That's a, I've gotten I, to where I, I don't care. I'll take like, it, I'll I take know that I'm going to do bad. I've done and so I just terrible. Don't care. Me I'm, too. I'm sending it this weekend. I'm going to win our league. Yeah, okay. Good luck. Yeah. Anyways. Um, let's knock out the procs highs and lows before we get Carson on because we have two pretty big topics that I want to touch on once we're done with Carson. Uh, rooted in racing from motocross to off-road, supporting teams like Pro Circuit Kawasaki and Pro Yamaha and SLR Honda, Prox has been dedicated to supplying quality components since 1975. From complex jobs like an engine rebuild to simple maintenance like filters, chains, and sprockets, Prox aims to bridge the gap between OE quality and affordability. Find Prox at your local dealer or online retailer. Visit Prox, P-R-O-X-USA.com to search parts for your bike and follow Prox Racing Parts on social media so, uh, yeah, Prox, highs and lows. You want to go first? What's your high there, TJ, well, from the weekend, from Glendale? I mean, my high was it was a triple crown because I love triple crowns. Okay. My low was how the triple crown turned out. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Scotty, what you got? You go You go first. Okay, so my high is Derek Kelly's career best finish of a sixth. Yeah. That's one of my highs. And then food in the press box. There's always catering in Glendale for some reason other than press. But our friend, my friend... Our coworker, our our co-host Lewis Phillips, somehow made friends with the people running that. We know he doesn't do that well, and he just kept bringing food to us. Like literally all night, he was going over there. He'd come back with chicken strips. He'd go over there. He'd come back with cookies. He'd go over there. He'd come back with something else. It's I don't know how he worked English his magic. Voice. Yeah, it's they probably thought he was Ron. How was that a low? No, that was my high. Oh, they, Those probably, my they probably thought he was Ron oh, Weasley. Both, both yeah, I had two highs. Sorry. Two highs. And then my lows are the track and Christian Craig getting hurt. I had two. So, yeah. yeah. Awful. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I really don't like it. Was It was like one of those just, it kind of just happened weekends. So you don't like, have a high or a low? Yeah. I'm pretty neutral. I'm agnostic on this one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, Should have lined up another topic before I tried to get in uh, Carson on. We're going to do a TJ's tech tip brought by Motul. Yeah. You want to give just a little tease on that while I try to get Carson is it, What is this? Is this a, a tip of tell people, I can't, I can't say anything. I was about yeah, to talk. just kind of give us a little. I was going to talk no, crap, I but I have like, no room. because He asked me about that, and I was like, how do you talk, give a tech tip over the radio, I guess you'd say? But yeah. Well, I was going to say is like it was, people should do the opposite of it, but I can't say anything because I can't That'd even talk. you, TJ. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah exactly. So. Um, no, actually, I'm just going to be quiet, TJ. We got him on. Yeah, yeah. So let me do this. WUSA is your source for all things wheels. If you're looking for a complete set of wheels for your bike, we have something for every budget. If you want to use the same wheels used by Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, Malcolm Stewart, almost said Malcolm Smith, Christian Craig, Chad Reed, and Jeremy McGrath, just to name a few, we have what you need. We have the exclusive W Edge wheel set starting at $799. As the exclusive import of Han Kite and Talon Hubs, as well as Excel and DID rims, we can build your dream wheels. Give us a call or check out our website, www.wusa.com. Dot com. Follow us on Instagram to see some of the latest and coolest builds. And you can also mention Moto X Pod to save. Tonight, 
WUSA brings us from the pro circuit Kawasaki team, Carson Mumford. What's up, Mumphy? What's going on, man? Not a lot, man. How you feeling? I know you did pulp. We're going to try. I actually didn't listen, so I don't really know what he asked you. Hopefully, we won't double up. Just too- real quick. Real quick. Yeah. I don't need buddy in. How does that feel to, to hear somebody say, from the pro circuit Kawasaki oh, yeah. team? Oh, it brings me back to the good old days, that's for sure. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I remember mini bikes, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely a uh, dream come true. And, uh, yeah, I mean, spent a lot of time on Team Green and that, yeah. and you always fantasize about being there one day. So definitely uh, you can took, check that off the bucket list. Thanks road for to that. Get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've talked about that with Mitch and his wife, Kristen, too, that, like, man, who would have thought, right? Like, man, it's I've been all over the place, it seems like, but – came right back to where I, I almost started things. Yeah. I do want to say, because I just mentioned it to you, TJ and Scotty, because you guys don't know. I asked Carson, it might have been Friday, but it was definitely sa- at least Saturday morning to come on the show. And then in the press box, Paul, Chris, uh, Steve Mathis was like, yeah, I think I'm going to ask Carson Mumford to come on. And I was like, no, I already got him. He's mine. I already got him. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> so, what a dick. throw out there bro it is like i always i'll cut like if i have a guest normally that he gets i'll cut him and, yeah but yeah i asked you first and steve just did not care he's he's a dick um, <laughs> listen carson uh i want to start with history a little bit coming off of loretta's i think you had three titles in um and in your final year, Loretta's an open pro sport. I think you won the title. Or you raced Jalik Swole, Jet Lawrence, Joe Shimoda, a couple guys that have been very successful. Um, how do you – like your career has kind of had some injuries. You've gone from a few different teams. There's a lot of expectations when you come off of a amateur career like you had. Was that difficult to manage those expectations? Um. Not not too much, really. I I always kind of felt like I was expected to win, even as a young kid. But not only was I expected to win, I really wanted to win. And, and like you just named off some kids, like I raced Jalik, I raced Jet Lawrence, Joe Shimoda, Dylan Schwartz, Levi Kitchen, Styles Robertson, um, Pierce Brown. So like it kind of seems like that generation right now is like completely taking over the sport in a way, you know, obviously there's still guys that you do that are just incredible. Like McAdoo, Justin Cooper, Hampshire, like those guys are absolute beasts, but it seems like, um, it's almost like a wave of a new era coming in that happens every, you know, five, six years or so. And, uh, it's weird for me too. Cause like I used to battle those guys for the win every single race. And then these last few years have just been like such a struggle bus, you know, like just you, you think of like things that you don't want to happen when you're an amateur as a pro. And it's like, Oh, well that happened. Well that happened. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, just struggle with injuries and stuff. But it seems like finally I'm back on like a even playing field with those guys. And I'm finally getting to like make strides, uh, back towards like being, even in the same race as those guys, you know, this last weekend was a little bit of a struggle, but, um, like I have had such good battles with those kids over the years. And, uh, you know, it's, it it would be cool to, you know, improve more and actually be able to race those guys again. Definitely. Yeah. Carson, what's something that you have experienced as a pro through that, you know, through that journey that you've been talking about, what's something that you experienced that no matter what you could go back and change in your amateur career or, you know, whatever you could have learned from 
you never would have been able to to prepare for something that you've experienced as a pro? Oh, dude, I, I'm so much more humble. Like I was that kid that, like you said, like, was it tough dealing with that pressure? Well, I was that kid that was kind of like a cocky punk. It seemed like in some, in some ways, like I, uh, you have to have a certain level of cockiness, you know, mm-hmm. to be, a, to be a number one guy. But, um, I definitely wasn't afraid to talk trash to other riders on the gate, or I wasn't afraid to just be, to tell someone straight up, I'm the best, you know? Um, but you know, if you're not humble, it kind of seems like the sport will humble you itself. So coming now, like I'm, I'm so much more appreciative and stuff. Like I had never ridden, uh, it's growing up. I had never ridden a bike that wasn't like perfectly dialed in, you know, it had so many hours before I even swung a leg over the bike, either whether it was from my dad or Mitch or, uh, the guys at Geico, like there were so many man hours into the bike before I even showed up to the track. And, you know, after years of kind of just, you know, whether I had to ride a stock bike at times or this or that, or a bike that wasn't totally set up for me. And, you know, we just, we're going to get the suspension later. It was kind of like an eye opener to me. Like, wow, I had it amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, then it it wasn't just like for the time being, it was for a long time, you know, and kind of realizing what some factory guys sound like, like them complaining. I'm like, man, I sounded just like those guys, you know, and you, you kind of just have to check yourself a little bit. And, and nowadays it's like, like, I don't even have anything I can complain about. It's so amazing, you know? So I think, um, it's definitely helped me out a lot in life going through those struggles. It sounds cliche to say that like, Oh, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't go through that, but I really wouldn't, I really wouldn't be appreciative. I really wouldn't get to like soak in all the great things that I'm, uh, involved in, you know, Mm -hmm. it would, it would have just been expected, you know? Yeah. I remember when you were younger, you were kind of, I say standoffish a little bit. You weren't involved with a, a lot of stuff, but now that this is, I guess, like as you had said, uh, you use your words like humbling a little bit. Like, how how does that change your like moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not like I wasn't like a nice kid. Still, right. I just I demand I demanded a lot. It wasn't like you know, it, like in my head, it was like, oh, you're not gonna uh, stay after work and put a fresh engine in my bike or something. You know what I mean? Mm. Something like or like. I expected everyone to go the extra mile for me because I was winning all the time. Mm. And I mean, I would have gone the extra mile too, but now I'm just like, you know, I just, I'm more laid back. It seems like, and obviously on this team, I don't really have to like stress about anything. They're obviously staying late and doing all that, which is, that's, I'm so grateful. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's just tough, right? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you coming into this season, you were signed with bar X, right? You were supposed to race for them or am I wrong? Uh, no, it was, oh, okay. uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. It, it I, I thought, a, I wasn't sure if you still had a deal with them and they let you out or how that works. So when Mitch resp- reaches out to you and you decide to take this deal, does it feel like almost a quote unquote, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for and I have to perform. And, and at that point, do you almost go, okay, well, if I don't perform, it looks really bad. Like does all this stuff go through your head or is it just positive? Yeah. I mean, obviously you think about everything, but, um, it kind of wasn't approached that way really. Mm. Like, 
um, it was more like he hired me when I was still hurt. Like I had only rode the bike like one or one day or two days. So I still had like, I still needed like weeks on outdoors of even just riding a turn track before I could ride a supercross track, you know? And obviously Mitch was in a little bit of a bind on, you know, he needed a rider and it just kind of all worked out, but he didn't really put too much stress on me as far as like, we need you to perform right away. He was like, Hey, we need to get your feet wet and we just need you to put the bike on the track at first and build, you know, um, obviously getting to show that I have good speed and, um, I have a lot to offer. I, sh- I got, I kind of showed that at Seattle that I, I can be something great. So uh, I think expectations went up a little bit just for myself and like, you know, Mitch got to see like, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's do work now. I know where you, you can line up if everything goes according to plan. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but at first it was more so just like, Hey, we, like he told me straight up, like, um, I don't really have a spot for outdoors. So don't try and go out there and kill yourself thinking if you win, we're going to sign you for outdoors because we're still full. And, um, don't kill yourself. He told me so many times, just don't crash. <laughs> like if you are getting tired because you ha- don't have the pre- same preparation in off season as the other guys, he's like, ride your hardest. And if people go by you, they go by you. If you're not feeling a rhythm section, give me, give me your best effort. But if you're really not feeling it and some, he just kept saying over and over, don't crash out. Don't crash out. We need a guy there every round. We need a guy there to improve and, you know, and, and do that type of thing. So, uh, I'm definitely trying my best at doing that. And, but like I said, uh, after Seattle and showing that I had good speed and almost winning that heat race and th- like a lot of positives came from that. So now it's kind of like, okay, let's build on that. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. That kind of goes yeah. into my, a question I had I mean, speaking of Mitch, you know, that's a good example of maybe something that he has that he would do differently than maybe other managers in that position would do. You know, given the scenario that he's in this season, that's kind of probably what prompted that advice that he gave you they gave you. But what is other things that you see Mitch do differently than any other manager that you've had so far in, in your career? Um, I would just say Mitch is old school in a lot of good ways. Like uh, you know, he he likes to have good conversations and like, he's not a big phone call guy. It's you got to go down there and talk to him and shake his hand, look him in the eyes and have a good conversation, you know, which is cool. And I also like how it's not like teams that I wrote for in previous, like they'll kind of tell you that they're happy with you, this and that. And then you hear from someone else that they're not, he will tell you what he's feeling, whether it's good or bad. And then once you have that conversation, okay, where are we moving forward from this? Which, which is really cool. Um, I, I, I really operate well under that. I don't, I don't like thinking like, oh, what's like tiptoeing walking on eggshells around people. It's never good. So uh, I think that's really cool. Like, you know, he's not afraid to hurt your feelings, but he's also not afraid to tell you exactly what you did right. And it's, it's, uh, it's kind of just like back to my roots because I rode for him when I was on a mini bike and even same thing back then, he'd be like, Hey, terrible start, but good charge to the race. You know, he'll tell you everything you did right and wrong, which is, which is really cool. So Carson, talk about this bike. You, you mentioned a little bit ago, expecting, you know, through your career, expecting the best, basically the most the guys to do all the work, to put the hours in and meet the expectations you had for yourself. How does this team meet those expectations? What, how good is this bike compared to anything else you've ridden 
it, like what is better? Well, I've definitely rode some good bikes over yeah. the years for sure. I definitely don't want to get that crooked. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the teams that I've rode for have definitely given me a lot of good opportunities and the best opportunities, <clears throat> best opportunities that they had at the time. You know, they did everything that they could a lot of the time, but I will tell you this bike definitely exceeded my expectations like by a lot. Um, I kind of had an idea of what it was going to be like because I rode, I did like a PC tryout um, when Geico folded and I remember riding it going like, Oh my God, I raced guys and I battled (laughs) Mitch's guys a couple times this season on this bike. Like, dude, that is amazing. Like I was almost like stoked that I even was like competitive with, because it, it's just amazing dude like the bike is great and uh it it kind of almost made me some days like i'm sure people are pissed off and tired of hearing me saying the pc bike was so good in this area so good in this area and they're like this isn't the pc bike you know what i mean yeah but it's sure. it's really like it's got a lot of hype around it because uh mitch has won so many championships over the years and he's always had amazing bikes and it's still to this day. I like, it's one of, it's gotta be like, I haven't rode all the bikes out there, but it's gotta be really close. If not the best 250 in the class for sure. Wow. Hey Carson. So you may not be able to kind of, you don't have, don't feel like you have to divulge this too much, but just did it kind of surprise you at all that maybe a guy like Ryder uh, Francisco didn't jump up into this position to fill in the role where you, maybe more or less surprised that you got the call at that, at that point. Um, so I initially had thought that, but Ryder had, I think either the week of, or the week before he had a uh, tourist thumb and had to get surgery on his thumb. So like it, it, exactly. That was the first thing that came to my mind when I had seen Austin go down, I was like, dang, that sucks. You know, but I was still hurt and wasn't even thinking about filling in. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if they'll put, like Ryder D or one of their younger kids on the bike or if they'll even do anything like that. And then I seen like a week later or I remembered that, Oh dang, Ryder had a thumb injury, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I didn't really expect to even get a call or anything from Mitch, but I I keep in in touch with Mitch over the years. And I had, uh, he'd actually called me, I think two days after I got wrist surgery and just told me like, cause I'm roommates with Joe Shimoda's mechanic. So every once in a while, Mitchell, like, Hey, how's Carson to him and, and, uh, back and forth. And I think down at the shop, he was like, yeah, man, Carson's really down in the dumps. He's bummed out on himself and just doesn't know what the next step is. And so obviously Mitch has known me for a long, long time. And, you know, I would call him if he ever, I ever heard something like that. So he had called me and said like, Hey man, I'm, I'm sorry, you're going through this and just keep your head up and this and that. And, and hopefully you get back on your feet and do well. And when you do come come back down by the shop and we'll, uh, you know, we'll hang out or whatever. So as soon as I started riding or something, I was like, man, I can't wait to send Mitch a video. I'm back on the bike, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I'd rode like one or two days, drove down to the shop just to say what's up and tell him that I was riding. And, uh, that's when he was like, Hey, uh, we're, we're looking for a filling guy. And I was like, well, I could definitely be that guy. And he's like, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. He's like, well, I'm like, right on where, when do I start? And he's like, Monday. Oh, I'm nice. Like, I'm like, cool. no way. Are you serious right now? So that's really awesome. Cool. Yeah. It worked out yeah. perfect. Um, Carson, yeah. I got two more questions for you. Uh, personally, um, doesn't sound right now like you're going to be riding for the cost for pro circuit outdoors. Do you have any thoughts or plans or like, Hey, I'm going to look at trying to do this for outdoors. As of now, uh, I'm not too sure really. Um, 
my main focus is just trying to do well at these next supercross races and uh trying to do well for mitch and well for everyone on the team all the sponsors obviously Mm -hmm. um i haven't really rode any outdoors since my first times back on the bike since my wrist injury and stuff so um hopefully i can do really well at these next few races and and just ride like myself like i rode again today in practice since uh, this is my first time riding again since arizona took a couple days off just because i wasn't wasn't feeling too great after you know crashing in the first turn and i made a few mistakes that night and uh was super sore but rode today and i was riding great so like today kind of reassured me again like okay if i just ride like i do on a practice track at, at the race just nice and relaxed like I got a good chance of just opening some eyes. And if, uh, you know, I do that, I think stars will align and hopefully I can end up somewhere because obviously I want to race outdoors. I definitely want to want to do that. I never really thought I would be in a position to where I'm like, not sure if I'd race outdoors just because I've, I've always loved racing it, but, um, yeah, hopefully something lines up. Just going to try and uh, continue to bust my butt and do good. These last few races for sure. Uh, all right. So my last question as a kid that's been in the industry for a little while, for a few years as a pro, what are some pitfalls or things that if, if another young rider came to you and said, Hey, what, what should I be aware of? Like, you know, on the track or even outside off the track, what are some things that you would, some advice you'd give to a kid? That's a tough question. Uh, it's tough to say because like looking back at my career, and looking back at another kid's career, it's like so different in so many ways. Like there's been so many times where I'm like, man, I wish I would have done that. And then I watch someone else's career or just a kid that I, you know, keep notice of. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if he should have done something like this, but it might not have worked out. So it's, it's tough. I would say you just got to trust your gut with anything. And if you're not feeling something or you have a day where you're really not feeling it at the track, just call it. Yeah. Um, I think. I've learned the hard way over the years, like going to the track and I try to make something happen. That's just not there that day. And I just overstep and, and end up like taking 20 steps backwards. Like even, uh, the day I hurt my wrist, I really w- had a bad gut feeling about something. And then of course I crash and, and get hurt. You know, there's been a lot of times where I've, I've just felt off and yeah, I'm sure you've heard other racers talk about it, but if it's not an important day, and you're feeling just a little off, just call it and ride the next day. There's been a, and, and Mitch has told me that even since being on this team, like, Hey, if you're struggling, just he's, he must've told me a thousand times, <laughs> just don't crash. Yeah, just don't yeah. crash out. Just, just keep it trucking. So that'd probably be my biggest words of wisdom just to, uh, if you're having a struggle, just call it for what it is that day and move on. Okay. You know, try not to get too hung up on it. Mm-hmm. Cause even, I, I mean, I got to work on that too myself. Cause even after this last weekend, I was bummed and it, it, it literally took me all the way till riding today and feeling how good I felt on the bike to being like, why was I so down on myself for, you know, getting 10th? Like mm-hmm. I, I know what I'm capable of and I know what I can do and I, sh- I shouldn't have dwelled that hard. I just, you know, I was bummed out. I didn't do as well as I could. So sure. I'm excited to race again and try and change that feeling. All right. We got one yeah. more and we're wrapping yeah, up. Just going off what you said. So are you a, are you a guy that won't say one more, like, Oh, I'm going to go one more lap or, Oh, I'm gonna go out one more time. Never I say one more. I, I, I try to avoid that word as much as possible. Yeah, I do too. I try not to be superstitious. I, I really do. But like the more I think about it, like, 
I always put my left sock on first, just like always put my left boot on yeah. first, left glove, like just like without even noticing. And then like, I look back and I'm like, hey, why do I do that? And then I'll put my right sock on first and I'm like, no, I got to take it off. You know, you're I'm not a little this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm not a big one more lap guy, Yeah, but I really try not to be superstitious because I feel like if you do your right homework and you do your work, the, the good things are going to happen, but sometimes it is hard to be like, let's <laughs> yeah. do one more moto. Yeah. Let's do one more moto. My dad is super like that. My dad's like, I'll have one more moto to do. And he's like, mm, I don't know. You made a mistake on that last lap. I think we should just call it. Go to lunch, dude. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that advice. I like to go eat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Murphy, thanks man. I, Carson, I pre- I'm, I'm happy for you. I, I hope it continues to improve and I hope to see outdoors, but thanks for coming on tonight. Appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. I've been on here since I was just a little grom on a mini bike. So thanks for keeping me, keeping me on here every once in a while. You're welcome, man. Anytime. All right. Uh, Take care and we'll see you soon, bud. Sounds good. See you guys. All right. See you. Carson Mumford tonight brought to you by WUSA. WUSA racking up on the podium, every podium spot minus the Honda jet, jet and chase. But, uh, yeah, used by Star Yamaha, TLD Gas Gas, Red Bull KTM, Rockstar Husky, Club MX Yamaha, just crushing it. WUSA. Um, all right. So we're getting on, on a long show. So we're cutting a few things out. A couple of these topics we'll say for the next one. What I do want to get to, this is a, a big topic. This could take a little bit, but that's all right. Cooper Webb has been known. We always think of him as the guy that kind of plays the mental games. He's talked about going on the line and, and talking trash. We've watched what he did a couple of years ago with Ken Roxon. Um, he does the, the finger point, the, the finger gun, all that stuff. But I questioned this this weekend. The first race in Glendale, Eli Tomac lines up four spots to the right of the box. And Webb, I think, was four or five spots to the left of the box. Eli pulls the start, goes out and does well. Next race, Cooper moves to the outside of him, five spots to the right of the box. And I'm, go- I'm thinking, okay, is this him kind of messing with Eli a little bit? Or is this him going, oh, crap. Eli got a better start than me. Eli did better than me. I need to do this. So I'm wondering if he's playing mental games, TJ, or if the mental games are getting to him a little bit. First of all, what are your thoughts on that question? Well, to me, it's I think the only per, the only people who try to play mental games, a lot of times it's because the mental things bug them and they think it bugs other people. Okay. We also have to take I, into account a couple of the races where Eli – didn't finish as well as Cooper was when he had the neck problems. And then all of a sudden he's back. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and this is going, coming into Glendale, which is typically a very, very good race for Eli and not very good for Webb. I actually have since 2017, which was uh, Cooper Webb's 450 debut. Eli's average finish in Glendale is 1.8 and Webb's is 7.6. Not a very good average. So he's normally to go- at the beginning of the year too. What's that? It's normally the beginning of the year too. Yeah, but I'm just talking his average finish at that particular yeah. tr- stadium. So that some of these riders, that's in their head, right? They go, "I never do good at Glendale. I'm probably going to do bad tonight." So yeah. I'm kind of wondering if he's struggling a little bit mentally with having to race Eli. Scotty. Yeah, I see. I kind of think of the opposite of what TJ was saying. I think that. You only time that you would use mental games like that is if you are so confident that that it doesn't phase you. Because if you are mentally weak and then you try to play mental games, then it gets 
it comes back and plays on well, you. I don't, I, I don't believe, I don't think that he's like, I'm mentally weak in this. But my, the way I, I look at it more as he's like, things get in his head. Like, like what you're saying, man, I've only ever done seventh here or whatever's the best I've done. The, the, like, that stuff bugs me. So it must also bug you. Yeah, see, I no, I th- I look at it differently. I look at it as like he's he knows exactly what he's capable of and what he's and, and he's so mentally strong that he does that to chink at anybody else's armor. He's so strong that he's capable to do that. Yeah. And I think that he's gonna. I think he's like looks at it like maybe no stone go unturned. Does he really think? And I think he's even said you can't phase him. Like you, you really can't phase yeah, Eli. He said, yeah. But I think that he's going to continue to try. Sure. Like, he's not going to give up trying to phase him okay. until he, he, for that one chance that that Hail Mary, that it actually works once. So that's how I look at it. Yeah, and you have to look. If you look at the history this season, or even in the past, going into Atlanta, where uh, Eli's average finish there is 2.75 with one win, and Webb's average finish is 3.5 with a single win at the Speedway, not not the stadium. And then in the starts, just in general, I went back in the last five rounds. So starting at Arlington, which was a triple crown, and I counted all three of those starts. Yeah. So at seven, the last seven starts leading into Glendale, Eli's average start position is two point five seven, and Webb's is four point five seven. So pretty much pretty bad compared to Eli. And Eli Eli's average finish is three point four two to Webb's two point four two. So starts were worse for Webb, finishes were better. But you also have to take into account those were two bad races yeah. for Eli. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just wonder how much of that goes into. I, I believe those middle games work against certain people. I do believe not that you're going to middle game chase Sexton into, like, screwing up as far as, like, oh, my God, I'm so worried about this, but make him push harder than what, you know, piss him off enough to push to crash, right? Yeah. But I genuinely believe, and I, and I believe it was a, uh, Travis in the um, in the chat said um, he just see Tomac rolling his eyes at it, and that's exactly yeah. what I feel. I don't think Tomac gives a sh- like Tomac is like, come on, bro. So do you? But do you think that with these last few rounds coming in, Atlanta not being always the best track mm-hmm. for for Cooper starts not as good for Cooper, even though the finish has been better. Do you think he's worried? Yes, you do. Okay, no, I no, I don't. I you think don't. he's. I just think he is. It's it's just a championship battle. Yeah. He had, you know, Eli's had some bad races that mm-hmm. made the, the championship battle what it is. So yeah. I think, you know, anything's on, I think he's just, an, it's just a grind. It's a battle, you know, in that battle, he's going, same thing I said, it's no stone unturned. He's going to try everything he possibly can to stay in this battle fight. Did he have a good weekend this weekend? No, he didn't, but he's, he's not going, I don't think it is in his head or anything. I think he's just straight, championship fight and that's the only thing that he's thinking about okay what can i do the most to make my championship efforts the best i would like to think he's not bothered i think some of these things are in his mind like he probably is aware of these things and i I think as a human they still kind of maybe affect yeah i think he knows like going into a weekend, what his strengths and weaknesses are going to be. But I don't think that he's mentally flapped yeah. by no, any No, no, I don't it. think he's flapped. I wouldn't go, I yeah. wouldn't go quite that far. Uh, well, let's roll that right into the uh, 6D picks for Atlanta. Since its inception almost 12 years ago, 6D Helmets has been dedicated to the relentless pursuit of brain protection. TJ, you need that? 
From the original ATR-1 to a successor, the ATR-2, the goal is to develop a revolutionary design concept utilizing creative, forward-thinking technology that would change the market and prove the safety capabilities of the sports helmet. The helmet is the most important piece of protective equipment you will purchase, so visit 60helmets.com or go to your local dealership and ask for 60. Try them on. Wonderful helmets. Uh, 60 picks for Atlanta. We'll let you go first, TJ. I'm going to say Eli, um, Barsha, and Webb. Dude, mm. I wanted to put Barsha on mine, and I backed out. Like, I wrote it down. It literally says Barsha, and I crossed it out. Um, Scotty? I, I, it's weird. I have like Eli either first or fifth. Like I, it's like, yeah, so I know, I know she on this man. Just pick one. Well, we, y'all guys just go boom, boom, boom. Like yeah. let's, let's should yeah. be a conversation. I well, mean, that's a, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Or sorry. It's your dinner time. Let's, let's you gotta get, <laughs> true. You gotta get yeah. dark side some food. You getting guampies. Uh, but, uh, okay. I'll just go, I'll go Eli Sexton Webb. Okay. Why, why honestly, why Eli first or fifth? Cause it's like I either see, I either see him being the Eli that he's been the last couple of weeks and mm-hmm. winning and just like he's either going to win or he's going to have one of those weirdo rides where he's yeah. in like fifth. Okay, like, I mean I guess that's I don't possible. see him I, I getting second. I think he's all. I think we're going to see a hundred percent Eli mm-hmm. all the way through. Yeah, like I think if he's second, you're going to see him win, and I think if he's oh okay, like so he, like if he's in second, you're going to okay. Yeah, I'm with you. Get I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah. You see him in second, I think he's going to win, and either that or he's just going to be fifth. Yeah. I'm going to go Eli, Webb, and Chase. Again, I almost put Barsha second and Webb third, but ch- yeah, Chase Chase is good out at those tracks. and It's too fast. Yeah, I, I think those... Did you see the layout? I, I glanced at oh, it, but it's it's just... I like m- to be surprised by the track. A mile long straightaways, yeah. and then going into a corner, that front tire is never going to stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ouch. Sorry, Lewis. Yeah. Uh. Lewis, Lewis hates you. Someone said in there earlier about the sinking ship. The whole, the whole, all the holes. And I said, I said, yeah, Lewis would be on the chat, but he's bailing water out of the sinking <laughs> <laughs> ship. He's, he's watching right now. But anyway, all right. Last, uh, Motul, for decades, Motul has developed high-performance, high-performance. Right, there we go. I couldn't get through them all. High-performance. You've been doing so good tonight. Synthetic <laughs> ester-based lubricants. By selecting esters over other high-performance synthetic-based stocks and combining them with an innovative additive package, Motul has created a perfect synergy. This most advanced ester core technology allows a maximum power output of the engine without compromising reliability and wear. You can find this and the entire Motul Power Sports product lineup at their online website, shopmotul.com, and enter code VITAL20 to receive 25... I can't do it. I, I, you got it. You I got was it. almost there. It didn't happen. Keep going. off your order of $50 or more. Um, okay. <laughs> TJ's Motul tech tip. Easy one. Real quick. Yep. We're going to, when you're when you're doing your oil filter changes on okay. these four strokes, yep. take your oil filter out and cut it apart. It's a quick and easy way to look and see what's going on inside your motor. You'll be able to see metal flakes. If it's brass, it could be like bottom end bearings. So anytime you do your oil change, which you should be doing regularly, you just cut the end of the pleats out and uh-huh. then just pull it out like an accordion and then as it opens up you can see in the veins what your filter's picking up so, so. The, the reason we this is going to be a recurring won't be a weekly segment but yeah. tj as much crap as i like to give him very very mechanically inclined he's one of those guys that can fix anything like like macgyver with with bubble gum and our, unless there's spelling involved yeah but so <laughs> i thought it'd be good for you to come up and, and you're also cheap so you find economical ways to fix things. That's a, 
It's a good word, huh? Pull well, yes, I gave him a lot of credit. Well, no, so <laughs> I, I thought some of these tips would be helpful to our yeah. listeners who are just, you know, average guys working on bikes. And like so. when, you're, when you're putting new Motul in, yep. you pull it apart and you can see, like I said, inside the pleats, in the little lines in there, if you start noticing different color metals, you'll kind of know, hey, I've, it's about time to do a bottom end mm. or, or something like that if it's aluminum. How do you feel about those aluminum filters? I, I, I rotate on the Honda. Mm-hmm. I rotate, like I'll use that for one 15-hour period, and then I'll wear a, a, a paper filter, and then I'll put the aluminum one back in. I mean, if honestly, the paper filters are going to filter more. Okay. They're, gonna, they're just going to do better because they don't just like – like um. What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? My brain just pulled a blank. When you sieve things through, they don't just sieve the oil through. They actually soak through. Uh, so it does catch smaller micron stuff. But the things that that oil filter, if you're changing your oil regularly, the stuff that's in your oil filter, it, I mean, it's going to be in there such a short time. I don't think it's a bad deal. You just got to keep those stainless steel ones clean and make yeah, sure that I said you, aluminum, but yeah. yeah, and then make sure that they do not get damaged because if like you drop it or something mm. and it, one of those little holes opens up bigger than it should, then you're letting larger particles back in because that oil comes out of the bottom of the motor and goes straight into the crank, right? And straight to the cams, yeah, out of the filter. So that's the cleanest oil you want. It's not, he's kind of smart with that stuff. Yeah, all that doesn't. Say, but, all that doesn't. Biggest shit if you don't tighten your drain bolt. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right, guys. That's all uh, I can think of it. Yeah, I want to thank our presenting sponsors, Race Tech and Boyson, Prox, X Brand, Guts, FXR, 6D, Luxon, Motul, WUSA, all for being on board with the show. I uh, want to thank Carson Mumford, Kyle Chisholm, and Enzo Lopes for coming on. I think that's going to be it. We'll be back next week. And TJ, you'll be out of town working. But yeah, we'll be back with another show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. Follow us and MotoXPodShow at gmail.com for our comments. We want to get some emails. We're out.